1: Don't you love starting your Tuesday, Arvo, with a bit of Robbie Dub? God, he's the king. Joe, turn it back up. Yeah, you can't not be in a good mood after hearing a bit of Rob Williams to start your Hey, how you doing? Louis here in for Kirsten B for this week. And then the rumour mill is swirling. That beaver might be back on deck next week, but in breakfast with myself. So a little bit of the run-home flavour for myself over the next few hours. And look, I'm not mad about it. Thoroughly enjoyed my time yesterday. I've got a big, big show for you to hook your teeth into today as well. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it entails. On the Macca's menu... And, Joe, don't you dare turn this music down. Actually, can I have the chorus one more time? Macca's menu time uh, with McDelivery. Getting is straight to your front door. And I know that, Joe, you didn't order McDonald's yesterday, so you are still on delivery duties today. Jacob's on tomorrow. I think you guys thought I was joking about that. But the Mac's menu is an absolute dead-set ripper. We are here till 6 p.m. on the run home. And we're going to kick off our first guest at about... 20-3, Kelsey Hannon. We spoke about her yesterday. The young jockey, she's 19 and she is riding winners for fun. 50 winners, an emotional 50th, but it wasn't because of the number. We briefly spoke about it yesterday. We're going to chat to Kelsey today, find out what her rides for tomorrow at Matamata look like as well. Ben Strang, part of our cricket commentary team for the Pakistan series. Uh, he was all over the tests. He wasn't on commentary last night but he's across the series because he is getting into the ODIs a little bit later on. The Black Caps did not win. Actually, the Black Caps didn't really look like they were going to win. But there's lots to dissect. And Mitch (laughs) McLennigan, he got his man selected, didn't he? He got his man selected. Spewing was Mitch. David Mustard, we're talking tennis. ASB Classic. John Isner right now in a bit of a battle With Bareri uh, up there uh, down the road, I should say, at Stanley Street. We'll let you know how that one pans out. Dave Mustard, he's been across the ASB Classic for many years. Obviously, Davis cup captain himself back in the day. Ben Graham uh, from across the ditch. Hey, former AFL player, former NFL player, played for the Detroit Lions as well as the Cardinals, the punter, Ben Graham. This is awesome. The playoff pitcher is set. We've got a massive wild weekend coming up in the NFL, I think we can probably put together a multi later on in the week and actually make some money. I think it's a great betting weekend in the NFL. Ben Graham played in the league. He also played AFL. I reckon we should do the hour with Ben Graham. I don't think we're allowed. Tom Bruce, he's the captain of Central District Stags. They are taking on Canterbury tomorrow. Top of the table clash in the Ford Trophy. Right now, Wellington are running up a huge score against Otago in their matchup. We'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon of that. Gazy, how special is this? Andrew Gaze, Andrew Gaze, this is not a drill, Andrew Gaze is on the show after 5pm, these are the privileges you get when you work on the run home I've realised, I thought that we were the high profile show, Izzy and Kempy for breakfast, I noticed that we've never had Andrew Gaze on the show. Some Somehow you, you come into the afternoon slot, you brand yourself as the run home, and you get access to Andrew Gaze. I am so fired up about this. So fired up about this. He's an icon. I don't know whether Joe and Jacob here understand how much of an icon he is. They're kind of looking at me like I'm an idiot. Andrew Gaze after 5 o'clock. And then we'll talk some racing as well. Magic Millions barrier draw has been done over on the Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast. Plenty else, including... The national title game in American college football any college football fans out there? O eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That is the Makita phone line. Makita, rule the outdoors. O eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Are you a college football fan? And if you are, is Georgia gonna run away with this or are TCU in it for the long haul? Double eight, double three on the temper bedpost text machine as well. range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body. Unrivaled comfort in sport. We know that by now. So that's what's on the Macca's menu. And I guess other than that, things you've got to look forward to include Teamless Tuesday. We've got a massive show coming up here on The Run Home. A huge show coming up on The Run Home. Now, last night, the cricket, because I know that's what you'll want to talk about. The Black Caps, how do we feel? Where's everybody at with this? 255 for nine. Finn Allen, 29 of 27. Looked uncomfortable, then he looked quite good. And then he got stung by a pretty decent catch. He didn't middle it at mid-off there. Unraveled him. Devin Conway didn't even get into the game. Who was it, Zade, that was tipping us a cheeky uh, power play at TAB? He wanted Conway and Kane Williamson to score 50s. I can understand why Zaid would have thought that that was a possibility. Unfortunately, Kane Williamson got done by one of the best balls from a debutante, I can recall. Usama Mir absolutely spun him a web. This drifting leg spinner that sat in front of Kane Williamson ripped across his bat and pads and took the top of, I think it was probably off and middle. Oh man, it was sumptuous. It was delicious. And you had to, if you're Kane Williamson, the only thing you could do is look at the pitch and kind of do that thing where you go, huh, okay, can't be too mad about that. So Kane Williamson went for 26. Daryl Mitchell, 36 from 55. Didn't necessarily look comfortable, is that fair to say? Tom Latham, I thought, batted well at periods. I thought Tom Latham was actually teetering and preparing to go on for a score. Untimely dismissal. Glenn Phillips, 37-53. Another, eerily similar to Daryl Mitchell's uh, stay at the crease. Just didn't quite get into it. Another start. Michael Bracewell, 43-42. Looked fluent. Mitchell Santner, 21-18. Another start. But I guess the, the moral of the story is there were no significant partnerships and, and no partnerships that were strung together. What did you make of the batting performance? Was it a really tough surface to play on? Were they silly dismissals? If one of these players here, Tom Latham, Darrell Mitchell, Kane Williamson, goes on and turned their 20, 30, 40 into 60, 70, 80, I think we probably win this game. We were one big score away, I think. I think we were one anchor away from winning this game, and obviously we would not have done what Pakistan. We we have no way of telling what Pakistan would have done in reply. Uh, I thought Pakistan's chase was brilliant. We have to mention Nasim Shah, a five for, Went at five point seven. Had a couple of costly overs for the most part. Bowled beautifully. Our bowling effort, it was good to see Henry Shipley play. I thought he bowled okay. He went at 4.66. Wasn't expensive, necessarily, in the scheme of things. Unfortunately, Lockie Ferguson and Tim Southey went for over sixes, close to sevens. Ferguson went without a wicket. Michael Bracewell continued his excellent form with the ball. Michael Bracewell, strength to strength in a World Cup year. It's going to be really interesting. This World Cup's in India. We talked about it yesterday. They decided to roll with Mitchell Santner and Michael Bracewell as, well, a dual spin attack. No-ish Sodhi. He is in the squad. I guess they are both probably spinning all-round, as you'd say. Michael Bracewell, more adept with the bat than Mitchell Santner. At the moment, Michael Bracewell's bowling, very, very well in both red and white ball cricket. Mitch Santner, though, he is an absolute asset. This is why Mitch Santner will always play. 10 overs, 4.3, you just can't hit him. The way he uses flight and pace, they can't get him away. He's not, I see he was upset. He was undone by the uh, <laughs> the old DRS, the old animated CGI I mean I did think that was a little bit funny cuz Mitch you know you don't turn it I guess that was sliding right across that's what they determined maybe a little bit stiff he's not going to take bags and bags of wickets but you have to play Mitchell Santner and other than that Henry Shipley I thought was a solid it was solid on debut and I you you're going to have to persist with him you can't just pick him once so expect Henry Shipley to play but there will be changes I would suggest I think there will be changes I wouldn't be surprised to see Tickner get a get a run I doubt they'll have the exact same team. They might tinker here and there. Tickner could be where they go. Interesting to see what they do with ish Sodi. Hard to drop Bracewell, Santner though. And I just, again, I just think we were one big anchored, anchored innings short of being able to really be involved with that game. Where did you Where did you set up with the Black Caps? Was it disappointing? Underwhelming? Just a bit meh? We didn't get a hiding although Pakistan won comprehensively. Does that make sense? Double eight, double three. Can you see changes for the second ODI live on SCNZ? Very, 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 very stoked to have that live on air. That was my feeling this morning when I woke up and caught the rest of the game. Just a bit meh. Just a bit meh. Almost like watching John is to play tennis. No offence to John. What a wonderful career. Made a lot of money. But do you really want to watch him go to juice? Sorry. (laughs) Do you really want to watch him go to tiebreak after every set? 7-6, he won the first. 7-6, he lost the second. Right now, he's on serve, and it's about to be three each. That's what's happening in the ASP Classic. After this, it's Teamless Tuesday. We launch it. We'll get Jacob and Joe involved, see how they're going. We won't talk about any of Joe's dating at the moment today because we don't want to jinx it. He's got a big goofy grin all over his face. And just as things start going well for we, Joseph, the last thing we need is giving him the uh, kiss of death. You should see his face light up when you say the word kiss at the moment. It is sickening. Quarter past two. This is the run home. That's the Macca, Macca's menu. Plenty coming up, including Andrew Gaze and Ben Graham. This is a big show today. This is a massive meaty. What did you call it? yesterday? say that big Big Mac. What's it called? What's the big Big Mac called? Oh,
2: the Grand Big Mac.
1: This, this. If t- if the run home was a Macca's burger today, Joe, it would be the Grand Big Mac. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Sixteen minutes past two. <laughs> S-E-N-Z, we are 21 minutes past 2 o'clock, we're about to get into our teamless list Tuesday. Oh, very excited for that. It's probably my favourite segment across the station. But Zane's called up from uh, the beautiful Kapiti Coast, so we're going to chat to Zane Cricket. Zane, what's on your mind with the Black Caps, mate?
0: Before we get into the cricket, I, I bet you're excited to... to... Hear me call up and let you know how I won the mega win there with my first ever quaddy that you put me onto with the four leg multi. <laughs> how did Which it go? Oh mate, I got two, three out of three out of the four. I think
1: you did. I actually. Do yeah. you know what I thought about you? You you would have missed the last one, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so your quaddy actually was a four leg multi. So that was probably my bad. But does it make more sense now? You've done one, and now you know you can take more options.
0: Well, I went ahead and tried a proper one after that, and actually ended up worse off. But um, hey, it's good to be in the game and not leaving it all up to you to make me my fortune through the quaddy Crush. But um,
1: yeah, it was exciting. Good on you, Zane, and and the Black Caps. Look, where are you at with them? Are you, have you enjoyed this so, trip to Pakistan? I,
0: or? I'm going to ask you a question first and foremost. Like cricket's a summer game, yeah? Correct. And we're we're in summer in New Zealand, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, our team somewhere up uh, in—I'm guessing Pakistan's in the northern hemisphere—playing in somewhere in the off season in front of crowds of about 13 people. Remind me what the logic was behind that?
1: Look, it's part of these future tours programs. We're part of this World Test Championship now, so I've tried to ICC has tried to align Test cricket to make it meaningful, right? And in there, there was some bizarre scheduling. Oh, a lot mishaps, but there were some bizarre scenari- scenarios around the scheduling. Uh, as to while we're in Pakistan and missing a home summer, it's disappointing. Look, though, I'm not, I'm not convinced that there's not money in, involved at the heart, of, at the root of the reason. Um, and it is disappointing for home fans, Zane. I guess we have got a series against England coming up back here. Is that any bit of a consolation for you?
0: Yeah, I mean that, that's kind of what the second part of the question was. I, I struggle to recall the last time we had like this really engaging. Three tests for one day kind of um, home summer against a team of note that wasn't Sri Lanka or Bangladesh or not to belittle those guys. But, you know, it seems like we're constantly like in a little bit of a build up for a a 2020 or a 50 over World Cup that we're kind of all over the place playing those warm-up games rather than genuine tours. And I find that's why I've lost a little bit of interest this year.
3: Look, I
1: hear hear that. I mean, we have had South Africa here recently. We've got, we had India here not for Red Bull cricket. Um, Going back, Australia, gee, that was when Baz was still playing. So it's been a while for Red Bull cricket there. Uh, England has been here a couple of times in recent years. They come kind of on every second year schedule. I understand, Zane. I've had other people, and I felt like this as well. I, so I'm not saying that you're you're not, you're not uh, warranted in your comments. It can be a little bit frustrating in the middle of. I guess, I guess the reality is, mate. I mean, how do you feel with the admission that we are essentially cricketing minnows?
0: Well, I, I guess that's we. I kind of we think we're the world's greatest at every sport, but in reality, we're kind of like Scotland and rugby, right? Kind we have of. the old good season, you know, and it was great under Bears and I think that gave us a bit of a false sense of hope for a while, there. But I think now it's just like all you want to see is a little bit of innovation, and perhaps if we're not going to be the most consistent, maybe we play interesting. You know, we give a few guys a, a go to try and find those hidden gems that we've lost to guys like Baz and Taylor in that at the moment. So. Yeah, I just
4: I just feel a bit flat.
1: Yep, and flat. you know what? Do you know what? That's fair enough. I, I think that we are we're going to go through a bit of a flat pot period in New Zealand cricket, and I'm not the first person to have said that. Neither are you, Zane. So look, your feeling is um, it's it's felt, mate. There you go, Zane on oh eight hundred one five oh eight to eleven yeah. the Makita phone line. Some pretty interesting comments. Is that unfair on New Zealand cricket and where the Black Caps are at? Is it ungrateful? Are you disappointed? That we're in Pakistan right now and we're not here. Do you think we get a fair shake of the stick by the ICC when it comes to scheduling? Are we flat on cricket in this country? I guarantee we won't be when England tours unless we cop an absolute hiding, <laughs> and then we probably will be. Right, time to get this teamless Tuesday underway. Uh, Joe, Jacob, Jacob, how are you? Afternoon. How are you, Louis? I'm, I'm good mate uh, Kenardshire is hiring big visit Nz. it's the best segment on radio that's what they call it Jacob
5: oh it is 100% 100% mm-hmm. um, how does that
1: make you feel Joe? Oh, well that's the best uh, segment on radio that, that's what they, ha- what's what they call the run homes teamless Tuesday the <laughs> well, best segment on
2: radio it makes me feel like the last 18 months have been pointless in my life I guess oh, yeah, it
5: is uh, we, yeah, we kind of team, came man. up with that slogan ourselves so
1: best, best segment
2: on
5: radio there's, there's no like nothing behind it really but yeah uh, I tell you
1: what, all you need is you just your marketing team. Marketing teams don't have to do a lot of work if the product does the marketing itself, and the product for Teamless Tuesday is that good. So, double eight, double three, the Timberbird Post Text Machine. I hope we get a flood of text today. Jacob, you are the you are the rules man. You are the officiator here.
5: Yep, I'll be compiling compiling the list today on behalf of Bevan, Louie and, Louis and uh, Joe, and I'm um, looking forward to. Hearing everyone's suggestions on double eight, double three. Okay.
1: Are we allowed to are we are we comfortable going with a cricket lineup?
5: Yeah, let's go with the cricket lineup. Suits the summer theme.
1: Okay, one to eleven. So we need a couple open batsmen. We need a gun third and we need we need first drop. We need to we need a gun three coming in. Four, five, six, gutsy middle order players. We need a keeper, and then we need some assets with the ball in hand, bowling seeds. And what is the teamless Tuesday today? Wow. Well, we actually told you yesterday, so there's not even any big surprise here. People you would love to hear do a race call. And the reason that this is, is because both Joe and Jacob have tried to do race calls. And um, on the good oil. I mean, so have I. Mine definitely wasn't this bad. And this is how they kind of played out over the summer.
5: Sorry, sorry, I'm just... I'm you, who the, is that at the front? There you go. <laughs> the it's a pink... Oh, I think it's Prince Aurelius at the front at the moment, coming around the first bend, uh, followed by... Who is, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Ripped, I think, maybe? Is it Ripped? Nyota. No, it's Nyota. So we got Prince Aurelius top, um, leading at the moment, Nyota, and then followed by uh, those two main stage, number one main stage, uh, and then falling back. We've got a bit... They're. they're a bit of a breakaway, the top three at the moment. Uh, it's a two thousand meter race at Randwick uh, today. <laughs> yeah, so all right, enough I'm
4: of not that.
1: Sure. Enough of that. That was Jacob's effort. Joe, can we have just a little snippet of yours? Are they?
5: No.
2: Well, they're not. They're not <laughs> loaded yet. They're loading. I mean, no. The, you said loading. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're loading. Yeah, you
2: said they're ga- yeah, loading. Sure. I'm not sure if they're loading so, also, the gates. The horses are loading into the gates. That's better. Thank you. We got there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh yeah. The lovely uh, bundle of fun. Just the last to load. Beautiful. <laughs> and these beautiful horses are about to jump. <laughs> and they jumped! And they're all quite even right now, as is when you usually jump. Uh, oh, once. Give us <laughs> some names. Okay, oh, all, right, all
1: right. Well, actually, when you hear that, Jacob, that must make you feel a lot better. That must make you feel a lot better when you put those two bits of hideous art <laughs> next side by side.
5: Yeah, when they're back to back. Yeah, <laughs> not gonna lie, Joe. <laughs> I yeah. thought I did a much better job than you. No, the problem is
2: I didn't think I was actually going to do it. I thought they were kidding. Right up until so I. So did to do I. It was-
5: so did I.
2: Okay, but one of us like went to high school all the way through and one of
4: us dropped no! out. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, enough from you two. What we are doing is we're putting together our 11 of people you would love to hear commentate a race. Do a race call. Cool. Your George Simons, your T. Lees, your Matty Crosses, your Darren Flindells, your Maddie Hills. There are so many great race callers in the world. We don't need more. But if we were compiling an 11 of number of people to race call who would it be i'm gonna throw one out before we go off to news with johnny mac morgan freeman can we get some audio of morgan freeman doing something and we'll play it to you after this narrating something and you just can't tell me that he wouldn't be sensational L- opening the batting as one of our premier race callers half past two teamless tuesday in full swing double eight double three even better 0800 150 811. Kennard's Hire is hiring big. These roles to suit everyone available right now, visit kennardshire.co.nz. CNZ, 26 and a half minutes away from 3 o'clock. Kelsey Hannon for the end of the hour. Our 19-year-old apprentice jockey who is firmly high on the ladder in the premiership. She is having an unbelievable season. 50 winners already. We'll chat to Kelsey Hannon about her career to date, how she's going. But right now, we are thick into it. Our teamless Tuesday. We're putting together a cricket batting order. So 11 well, and bowlers, obviously, of people you want to hear commentate a race. And I'm talking about a horse race, like iconic, you know, that great iconic commentary when you hear winks, the valley's rocking and history's knocking. Um, Bone Crusher, our Waverly Star, it's equine immortality. There's nothing better when you hear a race call absolutely nailed to perfection. It's an art. There are a lot of people throughout the years that you would want to have heard do it. We've got some brilliant texts here before we get to Joe and Jacob's nominations. Got to be Kerry O'Keefe opening. Cheers, Ken. Ken. Off the bat. Ken. Very good. Except he was a leggy, wasn't he? He'd be down the order. Skull. Kerry O'Keefe. That wheezy laugh. Brilliant, Ken. Uh, Izzy's uncle Fred does a great flea race opener. Right, oh, okay. Thanks, Richard. Fred Dag. <laughs> James Earl Jones with his Darth Vader breeding apparatus. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that would be a punishing listen though, Brett. <laughs> Here comes Winks. I don't even know how, what it would sound like. Wayne Bennett, number six, and captain a Steve War leadership. Wouldn't want to bet on the race he's calling, though. Nick Wellington. Wayne Bennett. Okay, I'm noting him down. We'll work out where he goes afterwards. It's pretty good, Nick. Samuel L. Jackson of Pulp Fiction. Bruce, yes, yes, very, very good. Very good, Bruce. Beaver would be a laugh beaver would be sensational beaver would be so good all for beaver uh jacob yes who would you like to see
5: oh well i would love all right all right all right matthew mcconaughey
4: all right all right all right
5: i feel like he would um suit the vibe of a a sort of i think he would do quite well suit suit the vibe of a um race call Very, very calm, relaxed style Very relaxed yeah. Very yeah it's Maybe has like, southern twang
1: Maybe a staying race Like a Melbourne Cup Like let him yeah. really settle Into his time Okay Joe What about you?
2: I'm going uh, Al Michaels My favourite NFL commentator Slash God you're boring Yeah I am going... Alright <laughs> alright <laughs> All
1: right. You're done the
4: You're off You're off. Right off Wow Five seconds left in the game you believe in miracles? Yes Unbelievable
2: I didn't quite get the point of this segment. I, I didn't think <laughs> creatively enough, I think.
1: <laughs> Joe, 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 Joe. Uh, Do we have some Morgan Freeman audio?
2: I must
6: admit I didn't think much of Graham Norton the first time I laid eyes on him. <laughs> Looked like a stiff breeze could blow him over.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I'm happy with Morgan Freeman. And actually Matthew McConaughey, Al Michaels. I don't know. We could leave that one through to the keeper. Double eight, double three. I've got so many of your text messages here. We're putting together a playing eleven of people that you'd love to hear call a race. Come through. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven or double eight double three. Hey, right now, John Isner, the sixth seed in the ASB Classic, has been dumped out by the Frenchman Bredy. So he's Gonski six seven seven six six three, and it's into the deciding set between Guerin and Coria. As well. In the round of 32. And we've got more coming up just after this. We'll let you know what's going on at the ASB Classic all afternoon. We'll get back to your text messages. I'd love to take some calls on this as well. Uh, we'll get some more audio. Matthew McConaughey, maybe some more Al Michaels. Keep Joe happy. In the blanket, uh, the Ford Trophy as well. How's this? Wellington Firebirds are absolutely notching a huge total. They three hundred 362 for 6 with about 10 bulls remaining in their opening uh, setting, setting a score for the Volts to chase 362 for 6 massive score incoming for the Wellington Firebirds heaps coming up but so is Kelsey Hannon just after this get your Macca's favourites delivered with Delivery.
3: hold on to your seats it's the run home with Kirsten Beeve
5: Around the corner and the Nuggets, the leader is the Buffer. Two lengths away, feeling the power, then Bully Boy. The Buffer has a Buffer. He's three in front as he goes for Nugget glory. The Buffer, three lengths clear from Bully Boy. Running on Bluey's chance, wider out from Hurricane. But it's the Buffer and Kelsey Hannon. She gets her 50th victory and the Nuggets to boot. The Buffer won it by
1: two at the line. There you go. That was back on Saturday, 16 minutes away from 3 o'clock. Uh, a moment and a 50th win for a young jockey who's got a lot of lot, lot of potential and a lot of promise who seems to be shaking the racing world at the moment. And a victory that I doubt Kelsey Hannon will forget for a very long time, but maybe not for why you think. We spoke about this briefly yesterday, but I've gone and tracked Kelsey down on a day off probably, Kelsey. So thanks for taking a call. How you doing, buddy?
7: Good, thank you. How
1: are you? Yes, very good. What do you do on a day with there's no races or trials?
7: Um, well, I'm actually down at the stables right now, um, about to feed up, and, and clean out all the boxes.
1: <laughs> so this is this is the life of an apprentice jockey, right? So you're doing your apprenticeship with the Feelins down there, and Sean he's a he's a great dude. So I guess this is probably a good behind the scenes look of what an apprentice actually does. So when you're not riding, you are still mucking out.
7: Yeah, definitely looking after the horses and spending as much time down here as I can, I guess. And
1: why is that, Kelsey? Is it because you genuinely love the horses, or you love learning? Talk to us about your kind of um, your job, I guess, because it is a bit more of a job than just being a jockey. It's, it is a full-time career.
7: Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's part of the uh, employment <laughs> agreement that I do the work as well. But I also love being down here. Um, our horses are like pets to us um, and we love them all and look after them like they are our pets I guess so it's, it's no hassle being here
1: what's Sean like to work with is he uh is he a good boss he'll be listening no doubt yeah.
7: <laughs> oh I've actually run away so he couldn't listen otherwise he would be listening um he's pretty like laid back um just do your work keep your head down and tell him what he needs to hear I guess
1: Yeah, very good. Now, Kelsey, you've had a a hell of a season to date, and we'll talk about the buffer in just a bit. Um, 41 wins, so you are in between, and this is quite neat, I think, uh, when we look at the Premiership ladder right now, you're in between two women that have kind of paved the way, in a way, for what you're able to do, and they've both been highly successful, Lisa Allpress and Sam Spratt, for a very long time. So you find yourself in between them on the Premiership ladder on 5th, which I think is a pretty neat bit of synergy, to start your career and to have forty-one winners so soon while well, you're still an apprentice, and we're only halfway through the season, it doesn't look like you're slowing down. Have you allowed yourself to stop and kind of soak that in and and realize how well you are doing?
7: Um, <laughs> that's Sean yelling at me now. Um, yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, I often check it just to remind myself, like, yeah, I am good enough to be here, and like I am doing. A good job for myself and making myself proud but i also just got to remember that it's still my job and just keep going
1: <laughs> keep going don't get too far yeah, ahead yeah. of yourself are you are you getting good yeah. advice how have you found it being an apprentice jockey and like i've spoken about it plenty we need to nurture and, and really care for our young jockeys coming through because there has been a lack of depth which means there is an opportunity for the younger riders to come through but how have you found it from your peers
7: I'm really good. Um, If I ever have an issue, there's plenty of people that I can talk to and ask, um, my boss included. If I need something, he's constantly on race days. He's constantly texting me, making sure I'm I'm all right, talking to me about my rides and all the rest. And on the racetrack with with the ladies or anyone that I'm racing with, I can ask them anything and they'll they'll give me a hand and point me in the right direction.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's good to hear. That's what New Zealand should be all about. eh, and and as far yeah. as your riding, like the obviously lots of people listening to this and myself included, we don't ride horses, so we don't know how hard it is. You're you're 19, right? So you're still pretty young. Yeah. Like the physical toll it takes on your body. How how do you go with that and making sure you are the athletic side of it? You're um, are you handling it the the amount you're riding and that sort of thing?
7: Um, yep. So, yeah, yeah. I should go to the gym more than I do. <laughs> be very sad to you. <laughs> but, um, no. Before, so I got suspended for three weeks, like to put it in perspective. Um, I got suspended for three weeks. And before then, I was fit as a fiddle. I was never sore because I was just riding so much. And those three weeks off, I didn't really change my eating patterns. And I put on weight obviously, and, like, come back, and I was struggling to hold a horse. <laughs> not struggling, but it was it was a lot harder um, than when I was in prime of it, so I had to go to the gym and, you know, all my strength back and just work my way back. It's, it's not easy, but using, like, riding, you use your whole body anyways. So you, you're kind of naturally strong when you're riding that many horses, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, race fit. And, you know, I I think a lot of other athletes will be able to relate to that, just the different sort of fitness when you are in the middle of the season. I don't know if you've ever seen the sort of work that James McDonald and Hugh Bowman, um, actually, and Danielle's shared a bit of it when she was here as well, the work they do in the gym. um, It's a really good insight. I encourage people to go and have a look at their social media. I don't know if you've seen it, Kelsey, but it is amazing the different parts of your body that a jockey uses when you think about every single part of it. And then there's the, the fact that you have to, well, some jockeys have to waste to even get in that state it's pretty hard it is hard on the body isn't it
7: yeah yeah it's a hard balance like when you are in the gym you can't really train like any other person would because you're trying not to like build too much muscle obviously muscles quite heavy So you're trying not to put on weight while get stronger at the same time it can be a bit difficult to juggle um but yeah
1: Fair enough. Hey, on your riding in this season, um, there's been some highlights. The buffer would have had to have been a huge one. Now, you were, um, hopefully this isn't embarrassing because people saw it anyway, but you, but you were a bit of a mess when you came back into the scales and <laughs> there, there was probably plenty of emotion there. And I think some people thought it was just because it was your 50th, but you sound like a bit of a hard case in that winning 50 races wouldn't be that too that mean that much to you. So what was going on there and why is the buffer a special horse for you?
7: Yeah. I actually didn't know that it was my 50th one, <laughs> to be very honest. Um, <laughs> when I came back in and they were like, Oh, 50 wins. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, so the buffer has been around since I first started with Kenny and I was actually scared of him because the horse, The <laughs> the horse, um, no, I can't be scared of Kenny. He's <laughs> a big softie. <laughs> um, no, he used to just take the mickey out of me all the time. I was young and just let him walk all over me pretty much. But um, the more I started writing him for the owner, uh, Richard Bishop, yeah, he's pretty close. Um, I'm pretty close with him. But the more I started writing Charlie, the more I got to know him, he kind of just, you click with him a bit more and he, he learns to love you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first went down to Christchurch with Kenny, Uh, He left me down there with a team of horses. And Richard, the owner, would come to the track just about every day and just fluff around down there. He's older, so he couldn't do too much, but he was always there just to be there, I guess, watch the horses because he loves it. And he told me, one day you're going to ride this horse in the Nuggets and you're going to win the Nuggets. And it's been his dream for a long, long time. Um, I told him, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, and then the first races that I won on the buffer, they were pretty special for him. But leading up to this, he's been quite sick uh, and in the hospital. And he did his best that he could to get out to, to make sure he made it to that meeting. And yeah, it was just very special to fulfill his dream. I guess um, just to do that for him was pretty pretty awesome.
1: That's oh, amazing. That's such a good. That's such a neat story, Kelsey. And I'm glad you got to do that so young in your career. Now, did you manage to take one of those gold nuggets off uh, your beloved owner? Did you Did you manage to barter that uh, as a sling?
7: No, no,
1: no, no. No. Okay. None of that, right? Well, maybe get him to melt it down into a I don't know, some sort of piece of jewelry. Hey, Kelsey, got to let you go because we got to crack on with our show, and you need to get back to uh, mucking out for Sean. Do you have one tomorrow that you don't mind at Masa Masa for us? Uh,
7: um, yep. Um, one of John Bell's in one of the fifty uh, one thousand fifty meter races. I don't actually
1: know what race it is. <laughs> Sorry, um, V. to V in the last. Yeah, yep.
7: Also. And she had a really nice race last start at Matter as well. Um, I think she should go better this time.
1: Ah, oh, you're a star. There you go. Hey, good stuff. You're doing really well. It's a lot of fun to back you. And um, look, Mark Claydon, who we host the Goodwill with, he reckons you're a top 10 jockey in the country. And I think if you keep going the way you're going, it probably won't be too long, mate. So congratulations this far and thanks for joining us.
7: Awesome. Thank you very much.
1: There you go. Kelsey Hannon. What a cool, cool woman. 19 years of age, very composed, got good connections with her owners, and uh, I tell you what, can ride winners. O to V in the last at Matamata. The odds aren't open yet, so we've broken my number one rule. We'll see what they give us. TAB are on holiday anyway. They're not listening. Four minutes past three o'clock you'll send the SCNZ right a couple of updates from the live sport going on the Firebirds have just set the votes 392 for six they'll set them 393 runs to win that is a big total even at the University of Otago oh we. that is some sort of score that's what's going on there in the ASB Classic John has had to pack his bags so has the Argentine, Federico Coria. After he lost to Marcos Giron of the USA right now. Humber and Eubanks are tied at two each in the first set. And Georgia is laying it on thick. This is why I hate college football. 31-7 at halftime of the national championship game. That is ridiculous. How is this worthy of a final? The intricacies of college football. I got to be honest, I don't understand. The Macca's menu for this hour. Ah, we got plenty, plenty coming up, including Ben Strang to talk a little bit of cricket, and David Mustard to talk tennis. Now, double eight, double three. Some of your nominations on who we should have in our team list Tuesday of people you want to hear commentate a horse race. Yep, Sam Elliott could be slow but it would sound fantastic and david Enderby, yeah okay don't mind that uh okay ian smith the queen well the queen can't do it anymore churchill i think these people have, have to be alive i, th- I think that's the, that's what we're gonna say uh ian smith ian smith in keeping put ian smith in as the keeper i want to hear smithy do a race call ian smith goes in keeping uh, what else do we have? Jeff Van Gundy, spin bowler bats at eight. Hayden, Jeff Van Gundy. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. What else do we have? Darts caller Russ Bray. That's pretty good. That's pretty funny. He has got an incredible voice. Love to hear the following race calls. Christian for Walken, James Earl Jones, or Quagmire from Family Guy quagmire from family guy that's pretty good screw the cricket theme why Chewbacca, savage beast tim yeah not bad sammy hewitt kenny yeah i don't mind that i'd quite like to see here sam hewitt have a go at a race car i reckon he'd be fantastic actually i think he would be fantastic do you know what that we need though we're not going to settle this argument until we come up with a west indies bowler to absolutely put fear into the, our opposition, and let's be honest, the West Indies African, the, uh, the accent, the Korean, uh, t- the Caribbean accent, I should say, uh, is what we need. But the issue is I don't know who we want. Courtney Walsh, Michael Holding, Joel Gardner, Kirtley Ambrose. Who is it? Double eight, double three, who fits in? Staying with cricket. He was part of our SENZ commentary team through the test series. He did a fantastic job. It was a pleasure to hear him on here. And then... He's going to be backing up in the ODI. One of these ODIs as well coming up. It is Ben Strang. He's on the line with us now. Ben,
3: thanks for taking some time out of your January, mate. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's um, it's 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 been tough watching these overnight games, but it's uh it's been good at the same time. So has you have because ha, you've got a day job, uh, for Ben? Do pe- people know what your day job is? Or do we tell them? Oh yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I can I can tell you, I work for Radio New Zealand. Um, in, in the background a little bit, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> former sports reporter, so very much in, in the mix with the sports stuff. So you're up late doing the sports
1: <laughs> stuff, then you're back to reality uh, for RNZ doing a hell of a good job, mate. And did you enjoy the commentary? Because I've got to say, you're a natural. We've heard plenty of people have a crack at it throughout the years. I hope you enjoyed it because it sounded like you were having a heap of fun.
3: Yeah, no, it was, it's it's fantastic. It's um, it's a great shit bunch of people doing the uh, commentary, Daniel McCarty leading the way. You can't not enjoy talking to somebody like Jeremy Coney and Richard Petrie, so it, it's fantastic. And, and you know, having played cricket almost my whole life, um, I don't know any cricketers who haven't had a stint commentating while scoring the book. so it, it, it did come fairly naturally.
1: Yeah, excellent stuff. Well, we're actually talking right now, we're putting a, together our teamless Tuesday of people we want to hear do a race call. And I'm um, trying to work out which of the West Indies fast bowlers we would want to hear from.
3: Any input there? Oh, Michael Holding, surely. It, it would be, right? I think he's the um the, the clear favorite for that. He's a, I mean he's a fantastic commentator. He was a fantastic bowler, uh, fearsome in his day, and so considered now as well when he's doing his commentary and uh you know, I just remember a couple of years ago when he was talking about the Black Lives Matter movement yep. and yep that sort of thing. The the guy's a legend. I think he'd be fantastic.
1: Okay, put him in. Michael holding it as sorted. That's right. Okay, now we got that out of the way. Last (laughs) night, I don't know because you weren't commentating, you might not have made it through the whole game. It would have been a hell of an effort if you did, but reflecting on it, a strange little ODI, an interesting ODI. We clearly didn't score enough runs. There'd be no way to really tell whether Pakistan would have been put under more pressure if we scored, say, an extra 30 or 40, but just a lack of partnerships and I guess maybe almost like a feeling out first effort from the Black Caps. What, when you got your teeth into this scorecard and if you caught much of it, what were your kind of first impressions?
3: Yeah, I caught much of the first innings. And Jeremy Coney in, in the SNZ commentary before it started said that the, the the two batting sides pretty much cancel each other out talent-wise if you go through the lineups. And, and I think that's absolutely bang on. And this would be down to the bowlers. And I think Pakistan's bowlers did a very good job. Nasim Shah in particular uh, obviously ripped the top off with Devin Conway gone uh, first ball. and from then you're you're on the back foot. and And because New Zealand didn't have any players kick on, you know you've got all of these starts, what is it? Finn Allen twenty nine, Kane Williamson twenty six, Daryl Mitchell thirty six, Tom Latham forty two, Glenn Phillips thirty seven, just nobody kicking on to a fifty, a bigger score. And I think that is the difference at the end of the day. If there was another 30, 40 runs, came from one of these top six batsmen kicking on to a score well over 50, then New Zealand probably win the game because I think 280 would have been too much.
1: It's It's a good point you make around the the b- difference in the bowling, um, the units, and the way they manage to kind of stifle any consistent runs being scored. W- we had Tim Southey and Lockie Ferguson both go for much over, or more than six runs and over, Mitchell is always going to do a job for you. Glenn Phillips did a hell of a job. So did Michael Bracewell, and you saw a lot of him in that test series. Where in the second ODI are they going to have to tighten the screws? Is it, is it on Tim Southey and Lockie Ferguson, or those that take the new ball, to just find a way to limit that scoring?
3: Yeah, well, Tim Southey went for 6.7 and over. Lockie Ferguson went for 6.4. Uh, every other bowler basically went for for fours. Matt, you know, Glenn Phillips went for five, and I wouldn't say he's a recognised bowler. So, cool. <coughs> sorry about that. Um. So, so I mean, I think that's the that's the area that needs tightening up is how do we restrict runs with our quick bowlers? Uh, Henry Shipley had a pretty shaky debut. Uh, the the Golden Duck, the slightly wayward bowling with the new ball uh, at times. He he only went for for twenty eight off six, but. Clearly, there was some, cons- you know, maybe a little bit of concern from Williamson later on. He didn't come back, uh, you know, for, for, for more than six overs. So uh, I, I think that is where things need to sharpen up. The, the spin bowling was pretty good. Uh, Michael Bracewell did a good job. Again, Santner was typical Santner. He was just restrictive, if not necessarily uh, that penetrating. But um, yeah, the, the quick bowlers just need to do a better job, I think.
1: I'm really curious about where they go with the fast bowling lineup, like not just in this ODI series and then in India, and then not just in the Test series against England back here, more so even to the World Cup. I don't really know what it's going to look like. I got no way of telling who's necessarily first in line. And Henry Shipley, he had to be played because we need to know what he's capable of, but, Is Blair Tickner now going to get a run in this Pakistan series? And are we likely to see Doug Bracewell as well? They kind of need to see what these... Look, to be fair, admittedly we have seen a lot of Doug Bracewell throughout the years, but we kind of need to know what we've got with this group and find out who is the next cab off the ramp, right?
3: I think that's the biggest concern for New Zealand cricket going forward is who are the bowlers coming through. If you go through domestic cricket, I wouldn't say anybody is, is... smashing the house down, trying to make it into this Black Caps team. Henry Shipley, probably the pick of the bunch. And that's a massive concern. Bolt's, Bolt's essentially gone. He'll play the odd game for New Zealand now, but, but you know. Will he's, he play... He's hey, Ben,
1: sorry to, sorry to interrupt. If you have to <laughs> stare into a crystal ball, will he play the World Cup?
3: I think he'll be available for the World Cup. I don't know whether he will play it. I've, that's down to New Zealand cricket. If they want to... Take this World Cup on and and have a chance of winning it. I think they need to select him because there is nobody who is of the quality of Trent Bolt. And 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 as I say, that's the that's the big concern for New Zealand cricket in the long run is who are the young bowlers coming through. I I look at Ben Sears and and he can bowl incredible pace, but he's a little bit he, he's a bit of a spray can at times. he, he doesn't have full control. I wouldn't say on where he's putting it and he has had a chance for New Zealand so he's a good young player and and will improve otherwise you're looking at guys you know when I talk to batsmen on the first class circuit they they talk about guys like Ed Nuttall being incredibly skillful left armor from Canterbury but he's he's 31 32 yeah Uh, Yeah. you know there's no young guys that you can look at and say yeah this guy is is absolutely up for international cricket right now. And that that's the concern for me is you, you can look at Finn Allen, you can look at Glenn Phillips, some younger batsmen who are there. Um, You know, uh, Ratchan Ravindra scored 100 today for Wellington. Th- those guys are doing all right. Bowling-wise, I'm just not sure where it is.
4: Mm,
1: that's a really good point. It's the same concern I have, mate, and that's why I think they need to try different combinations. I wouldn't be surprised to see that bowling unit tinkered with for these remaining two, uh, Pakistan, uh, ODIs mm. then obviously Tim Southey heads off and there is a little bit of personnel change in the middle order Mitchell Latham Phillips Bracewell Santner it kind of reads a little bit unconventional but when you go through it each of those players have put their hand up in a massive way in the white ball cricket over the last kind of year 18 months is that settled or as settled as it could be
3: I think uh, basically, yeah. I think Mitchell has turned himself into an undroppable player over the past eighteen months or so. Uh, Tom Latham seems to be playing some of his best cricket um, in, in one as uh, in 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 Test matches. He is hitting the ball as clean as I think I've seen him hit it. So mm. he is he's got to be locked in with the gloves. His glove work probably needs a little bit of work, but but otherwise he's um, he's absolutely locked in. Glenn Phillips through twenty twenty cricket. Uh, I don't think you can drop him from a White ball side either. He, he has the ability, like no one else in this team, to take a game away from another team and, and close an in innings. And Michael Bracewell as well, I think he's growing in confidence at international level uh, with Bad Amble, and we're just going to see more and more quality from him over time. I think with the bowling, he's still learning and yet he's still doing a very good job so so the more he plays at this level the better he'll get i'd say
1: well so so we've lost Colin De Gronholm and um, Jim Neesham out of this picture again mm. contractually do, are we do we need a seeming all-rounder like is that something that is going to become an issue for us or can Michael Bracewell fill the void for a while
3: I, not necessarily. I don't think necessarily you need a seaming all-rounder, but you need you need to have, in that case, three seamers who slot into that team uh, without it's question. And I think that's the issue right yeah. now is that yeah. we've got, well, Lockie Ferguson is a, is a very good one-day uh, white ball bowler. Tim Southey, absolutely. Um, who's the third cab off the rank, and, and what it you know Matt Henry probably would have played if if he was fit. Adam Milne, if he's fit, is a good shout as well. But th- there's a lot of issues with fitness and, and consistency that we have to deal with. It's it's very intriguing to see what they do with these pace bowling spots.
1: Going back to the last World Cup, I kind of vaguely recall uh, was it. Milne, Henry, and Bolt—the first three. Were they the, was that the option at the end of it? I think Tim Southey ended up pulling out of favour. His form—he's really put the work in in white ball cricket since, um, and obviously now with his leadership elevation, you expect him to be here. Somebody's just texted us, Ben, with Lister question mark. Ben Lister.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, um, decent cricketer, but again, I don't know that he's banging the house down to to play. I mean, there's a there's a few guys that are in that sort of similar, um, you know, group of players, but. I can't honestly look at them and say that they are putting in performances that make Gary Stead select them for for the Black Caps. And and that's what, I mean, I'd say Gary Stead would be begging for a fast bowler to come along who just, you know, does what Kyle Jamison did a few years ago and says, here I am, you have to pick me. And, And no one is doing that right now
1: and look the thing is we've both watched sport enough to know that it happens every once in a while you get one of these uh, anomalies where a player has a season and kind of emerges from a crevice in the ground but more often than not you have to nurture and develop players and if you can't see them on the horizon they don't just come out of anywhere, they don't fall out of the sky right so I think you're right to say that that is the the concerning part of it um, Pakistan, this series has been well this tour has been enlightening, I've really enjoyed it, loved your commentary mate well, enjoy, you. so you're with the uh, team in the third commentary, is that right?
3: That's right, Friday night uh, until early in the morning on Saturday I'll be there. Um, Excited to see how things go and and just sort of I guess I'll, I'll also be watching that Pakistan bowling attack and wondering how they can do as well as they can without Shane Sha who I reckon is the best bowler in the world, that guy is amazing
1: Yeah, You're right actually, if anything that's been the that's been the real shame, we haven't got to see him uh, close up right he is a bit of a freak, he's kind of got a little bit of that Joffre Archer when Joffre was coming onto that scene except he's been able to do it for a long period of time, um, yeah completely agree with you there Ben, hey thanks so much for taking time out of your, your day mate, really appreciate it and some nice thoughts here around where this Black Caps team sits at and uh, we'll watch as the Volts now have to try and chase down about 400 and a million no 392
3: <laughs> yeah good luck to them
1: <laughs> absolutely cheers man cheers there you go Ben Strang nice thoughts loves his cricket who's that next bowler Lister yeah it's a really good question uh, look we spoke about it yesterday look I'm, I'm I'm really glad I'm really glad that we saw Henry Shipley get a go and I think they need to give him more of a go I think they need to give more of a lot of players a go. Is Doug Bracewell, is the return of Doug Bracewell really the, is that the option? And I'm not saying that disparagingly of Doug Bracewell. It really might be. We kind of need to see it. We need to find out. These last two ODIs against Pakistan and into India, fascinating. This is as good as an opportunity to see what our team will look like heading back to the World Cup later in the year than we're going to get. 20 minutes past 3 o'clock. Phil says, my partner I love seeing Kelsey Hannon's emotion when she won. We were right by the birdcage, and for it to mean that much to her was fantastic to see and great to hear. Phil, appreciate your text. If you missed that, you can go to the Run Home podcast channel right into the SENZ app. We caught up with Kelsey Hannon. She's a 19-year-old apprentice jockey taking the racing scene by storm at the moment. And Georgia, they might ton up against TCU in the national championship game. 38-7 38-7 at half-time. What a humiliating look for college football. <laughs> 21 minutes past three. We'll be back with some teamless Tuesday nominations after this, including some brilliant little bits of commentary.
0: There are other whales here too.
6: Killers.
8: We're skipping around some points here. First thing, <laughs> she's saying she's dressed like a teenage boy. That for somebody to put money in your cup. It's gotta be a lot worse tonight. Did you guys see him?
6: I was fast asleep. Maybe wanna take an eight of that like Omar. What, what, what happened, Omar? Well, don't worry
0: about Omar. He's not with us no more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the run home ECNZ. We are for our teamless Tuesday putting together a cricket order, a batting lineup. A first 11 of people you want to hear do a race call and Kenny has come through let's get Susie Kato on a race call oh brilliant right well we've had lots of nominations for Mike Tyson so there you go we've had people wanting Peter Griffin uh, we have had Mark saying he wanted Simon Bridges as a spinner coming out with that Kiwi accent Get on your Mark Jacob have you managed to kind of compile this together and have you got a kind of a, so far what our lineup looks like?
5: Yeah, it's really coming together on our end. Um, so, uh, so far, I'm not too sure about Kyrie O'Keefe opening the batting because he, he was a leg spinner back in his day. So, maybe he might be demoted to maybe 11, 10, 9, around that area. But I've got Kyrie O'Keefe in there uh, at number one. Yeah, number no, two. I'll
1: just stop you there. We'll, we'll bump we'll bump scale down to in at nine.
5: Yeah, go on. All right, let's.
4: Do some live editing right here. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, All right,
5: all right. Number two, we've got David Attenborough. I think he would suit the opening role.
1: Completely agree. He
5: would, right? David Gower-esque.
1: I just think he'd go out there, he'd blunt the attack. Yeah. Just just leave outside off all day. (laughs) Mark Richardson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yep.
5: Uh, number three you got Mike Tyson. Now he would have a powerful slog. What do you reckon, Louis?
1: <laughs> oh, Mike Tyson. The good thing about Mike Tyson is he could just punch the ball there, and he would just be. It would be Ross Taylor slog sweep over cow corner, heaps of underhand, heaps of bottom hand, and the beautiful thing about him calling a race is it would be genuine comedy. That lisp, a bunch of horses' names with s's in them.
5: That lisp. Yes, it would be quite good. I agree. Uh, number four, we've got Morgan Freeman. Now, the iconic Shawshank Redemption um, actor, he would be a great race caller. Well, mm-hmm.
1: he also did, look, he also did in his life um, act as Nelson Mandela, right?
5: Yep, that's right. I must admit
6: I didn't think much of Graham Norton the first time I laid eyes on him. <laughs> Looked like a stiff breeze could blow him over.
1: And, look, this might surprise a lot of people, but I would assume Nelson Mandela knew a wee bit about cricket, but apparently he didn't get that into it until he was over 80. So I, I think there's enough synergy. And just to have him in there at four as kind of your Ross Taylor rock in the middle uh, middle orders. Also, imagine the beautiful dulcet tones of race. School. Happy with that.
5: Yeah, too right. Um, number five, we've got Samuel L. Jackson at the moment from Pulp Fiction. And I don't know if you've seen Pulp Fiction recently, uh, Louis, but I watched it for the first time a few weeks ago. And what a great performance! Tell you, yeah, got too, the afro.
2: Too, too many swear words for a, a clip,
5: by the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did hey was Samuel R. Jackson? Was he
5: snakes on a plane? Snakes on a plane. Yep.
1: Can we get that clip?
5: <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure that is uh, swearing in can too. You,
1: can you please beep it out? Um, <laughs> yeah,
5: that would be good, Joe.
1: Where did Steve War bat? That's what I want to know.
5: Steve War was uh, number three, wasn't he? Number
1: three or four? Oh, I, I thought so too. So this is my concern because I see you've got Steve War, esque Oh, Steve War esque yeah. Sorry, Wayne Bennett. I think that
5: was a text in from Mark earlier yeah, in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Hey, i got no issue with Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Buster Rhymes are eight. What are we thinking there?
5: Uh, well, I was just thinking he's very quick with his words. Maybe he'll be a quick bowler, Tim Southey, sort of handy with the bat. Maybe. What do you think?
1: I don't know about Buster Rhymes. I think okay. we can do better than Buster okay. Rhymes. Okay. okay. Well, what we're going to do? We're going to take Buster Rhymes out. Simon Bridges, he can get lost.
5: Yeah, that was that was a controversial. <laughs> so,
1: Simon <laughs> Bridges can get lost. Skull, Kerry O'Keefe. Ian Smith. By the way, is the lock and captain?
4: Yeah. Lock. All right.
1: And. Captain Smithy at East Keeping. Um, Kerry O'Keefe at nine, Michael Holding. I completely agree. Can we get some Michael Holding audio? And then we need to dissect what we're gonna do with this guy.
5: Lois, don't ruin this for me. Don't ruin this like you're ruined kick cereal. Mmm, this kick cereal is good tasting.
1: And it's good for you. <laughs> <laughs>
5: You know what? It could be a bit of a yin and yang partnership up up the top, opening <laughs> with David Attenborough.
1: I, I kind of like where you're going. Where are we going to be putting Susie Cato in the lineup? Can she jag a spot down the tail end bowling some heat? Kevin Bloody Wilson, Liam Neeson We're putting together a first 11 of people you would want to hear commentate are a horse race. You've got to think about that. They would have to be hilarious commentating on a horse race. I also noticed Kevin Hart hasn't been able to find a spot just yet. 28 minutes away from four. Let's get some news headlines. So and the temper old bedpost old text machine is going off. Double eight, double three. Brad, all caps, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Doggy dog. Brad, where would he bat? Do you reckon he bowl some loopy spin? I kind of think he would. What about Frank Spencer? He would be funny. Cheers, Simon. Reg Clap, Louis. His calls at Alexander Park in the 70s got me hooked. Classic lines like Ears Pricked and doing it on the steel. Cheers, JD. Yeah. Uh, Brad. Tony Kemp, if there was a horse named Big Bangers. Now, that's a really big bangers. Big snags for big boys. Get your meat formation, ah, one of the greatest days. Snoop Dogg, what are we going to do with Snoop Dogg?
5: Hmm. I like your suggestion, I I feel like Snoop Dogg definitely would bowl some loopy leg spinners or yeah. some t- some type of spin, he'd have quite a lot of variation I feel like.
1: Okay, so we're going to play two spinners, Snoop and Skull?
5: Yeah, we're playing in um India.
1: <laughs> is, is this horse, horse racing in, they actually have horse racing in India. Oh wow. So there you go. Or we could be in um, maybe Hong Kong. There'd be some some sort of tropical kind of really hot conditions that the pitch is prone to break up. Okay, this is definitely not for a green seamer. I like it. Uh, we still need to know what we're going to do with Susie Cato. Anyway, we'll park that and deal with her in just a wee bit. Porky Pig, that's pretty funny. Gollum. <laughs> Gollum. I don't think anyone would want to hear that. Not at all. What's going on at the ASB Classic? Humbert and Eubanks are gonna go to what looks like a tiebreak. I would say for the first set, they're five games each, and now at juice, so they can't be split in that first set. That's what's going on at the ASB Classic, which, by the way, is being played underneath. The stadium today, well, away from the public arena because of the water. That's on one side of it. The other side, Alex Molcan and Quentin Hales is, yeah. there's lots of French people. Uh, Quentin Halles, 6-3 in the first set, two each in the second. Later on, we get to see the seventh seed, Sebastian Baez, in action against Ben Shelton, and tomorrow it's when it really heats up. And we're going to talk to David Mustard about the tennis heating up. Just after this, David Mustard played a lot of tennis at the top level, been involved with Davis Cups, been involved with commentary throughout the years. He's going to join us and talk ASB Classic on ECNZ. Kirsten Beeve enjoying a well-earned holiday at the moment. Uh, They might have wanted to be at the tennis, but unfortunately it isn't transpired like that. And the tennis is behind closed doors today, despite no real rain as far as we can see. But... Oh, well. That is the decision the ASB Classic has made, and I'm sure there'll be some disappointed fans, but the tennis rolls on, and a man that is everything tennis, and I always think about him in summer because this is the season where he gets the big guns out, and he gets down to Stanley Street, and he does his thing. It's David Mustard. It's great to catch up with you, David. How are you going?
9: good. I'm very well, thank you. Just, um, just wish this weather would pass, really, but I mean, it's probably been the worst weather they've had oh, pretty much in the the media room and all about everybody saying, I can't remember ever the continuous, you know, rain and, and problems that's caused ever in the history of the event, to be honest.
1: And that's why I'm not going to go out there and put the classic that the tournament directors on blast for having them inside today because they've probably been become gun shy, mate.
9: Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, it's quite interesting. The, um, you know, I was in an interview the other day with Nicholas Lamperin who's actually a very a very nice guy, actually, very well-connected, very um, onto it, um, and a lot of different things. It's just unfortunate he's been you know, that prism by fire, pretty much coming in and being the tournament director, and he's got all these decisions to make, and, and it's kind of like, um, you know, is he going to be right? Is it, is it, is it going to work out? Are the players going to be happy? Are the public going to be happy? Um, he's kind of tied a little bit, and it's just unfortunate for him coming into something new um, that this has all happened. And, and, but, you know, there's, there's something that's very important that people have got to realise that, you know, when he makes these decisions, he's, he's got, you know, like last week it was WTA and ATP supervisors and also tournament referees that they consult and they make the decision accordingly what's required. So, you know, it's not just him, except he wears the, the brunt of, uh, of things, you know, people who are unhappy about things. Um, so they, they've kind of had to do what they've had to do, otherwise, you know, the final this week is actually on a Saturday, and they've gone inside, um, and I'm and I'm sure that he you know, obviously didn't want to do that, but they have to get through this. If they didn't have any play today, uh, it'd be very very difficult, and they they you know would really struggle to get through the event by the time Saturday, because the Australian Open rolls around on Monday, and there's a lot of time constraints, you know. Well, anyway, oh, no, I'm no, it, on at no, no. It's you
1: know? it's David. It's really important, and I I commend you for making those points because the amount of moving pieces and the jenga puzzle, which it is, running a tournament when you have those factors. And you, the the best point you made is the ATP and WTA involved here. It's not just as easy. This isn't a standalone event. This isn't a standalone concert that you could shift around and, and do in your own time. There are governing bodies of one of the world's biggest sports with the most money at stake here. So, I, I look, I think we should not have short memories and, and remember how well this tournament has done for our sporting calendar throughout the years. And I think for the most part, people do understand, mate. So it's a good point you make. As far as the tennis you have seen on the men's draw, uh, John Isner's gone out today. Which is interesting. We're just watching yep. Hermbert and Eubanks at the moment. They are in a first set tie-break. Humber's up four three there. Anyone on the men's side so far that you didn't expect to be so impressed by that you
9: have been? Um, yeah, you see, every year there's some new names coming in, and you know the one that's the exciting one they're talking about, which you know they give a American hope is um, Ben Shelton. Um, you know who's got has got a really good history and and uh, is in the draw from from the states, um, and you know he's he's impressive, um, or his resume, and you know he's someone to look for. You know you've got Brooksby coming here, the USA, the USA, very unusual, unorthodox style of play and what he does, um, exciting to watch. Um, you know he beat Fognini, He lost the first set, came through in three. You know he's impressive. There's another gentleman who just beat uh, the number eight seeds. Mandarino, a guy, a gentleman named Jeffrey Wolf, um, and again from the US. So there's a lot of American players coming through. He's very impressive. You know, right now, there's, there's a lot of players um, that are capable of beating, you know, the, the stalwarts or the ones that we know about. Um, the depth is getting better and better and better. And it's just that self belief uh, when they come in, the confidence coming in. Uh, to see if they can do that, and you know, having said that, um, it's interesting with all the Louis. I know I'm digressing a bit, but the the Kiwi players, um, you know, I was impressed this week. I saw, um, Ajit, you know, Ajit Rai, the number one ranked uh, New Zealand player at the moment, who who was 450, is now going to be about 450, was 470 coming in, you know, lowly ranked, of course but they don't get a big opportunity to play these top players on a regular basis. Now, Jeep did not qualify, but he beat Taro Daniel, Daniel from Japan, ranked 91 in the world in his first round of qualifying. And it's the same old thing. If you are around them, you get to test yourself. You get to see if you're capable of the standard required or, or not. And you know, he showed that he can hang in it with, with some very top players. Um, but he doesn't get to do it because of his ranking. It's a catch-22 situation because they don't play them week in, week out because he's playing the lower-tier tournament. Um, it's the same with, um, you know, Karen Powell, uh, um, I always get that pronunciation wrong, New Zealander who lost first round to Gasquet, 3-1. You know, it was it was a great opportunity for him to test the series, but they realise how hard it is to stay at the level because you're not used to playing at that level. It's a catch-22 situation.
1: So what's the, compared to your day, uh, Dave, We what is the hardest part about it now for these guys? Where, where do they need to, what more can they do, apart from funding enough and getting enough backing to be able to just travel and play tournament, tournament, tournament? Is there any silver bullet to get enough ranking points to surround themselves and play enough games against that elite competition that you're talking about?
9: There's a number of factors. The first thing is <clears throat> you have to work Very hard, and you have to have a good, solid base technically. Okay, then you also have to realise that physically, you have to be physically fit to be able to retain the level, to be able to change your game patterns, and to stay with players that are hitting harder, more angles, what have you. You've got to be able to be fit enough and strong enough to stay with them and retain the level. If you have an inkling of, you know, you don't keep your standard up in the match, it's going to, you know, you're just not going to be able to win that match towards the end of it. Um, the other thing is, obviously, you have to play a lot of matches. So your fitness, your technique is one thing, but you have to play a lot of matches. So it's win-orientated. So the bottom line is you have to do your apprenticeship at the lower levels. You've got to win those you know, matches to get your points up, to be able to get your ranking up, to be able to make you know, different tier events, to be able to get an opportunity to you know, make a good career and be inside the top hundred. Now, one of the biggest problems is how do you do that? You have to start somewhere. You have to learn how to win. Yeah. And if you have a country that has a lot of events, and that's another side where you're getting the opportunity to be carded or to be given the opportunity to test yourself to see where you're at, then that's how that begins. Now, we don't have that many events here in New Zealand to be able to do that on a regular basis. It costs a lot of money to do that. But that's really important. And I'm going to say this, but that's how I started, and I, and I can use me, I'm an old fella now, <laughs> but at the age, the age of 18, I got a wild card into the Benson Hedges back then, which is the same as the ASC Classic. I had no world ranking. I was the national junior champion, and I played a player ranked 152 in the world, and I won my first match. That then created my leverage and my ability, my belief to be able to then play professional tennis for the next six or seven years.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. So fascinating.
9: that's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. But you have to be truthful. And I think Ajit Rai and Panu and uh, Finn Reynolds, um, you know, they're seeing what is required and they're testing it and then they're being realistic and go, hold on, I think I can do this they now have a lot of work to do. But physically, they probably have to do a lot more work.
1: Opportunity creates opportunity, Dave. And it's, not, it's just hard work. you painted the picture beautifully, mate. we got to go, but I want to get you out on this one, one before we let you go. How excited are you to see Cam Norrie, hopefully back on centre court in Auckland, and what sort of reception do you think he's going to get?
9: Great reception. One of the best informed players right now. Coming off the United Cup, beat Nadal, Fritz, Dimener, um, he is playing very, very well. I think he's got a great opportunity. But, of course, uh, a gentleman named Rude, who's number three in the world at the top seed, will have something to say about that. It's great to have Norrie here with his ties to New Zealand, which everybody seems to talk about. But he is the number one from Britain. Um, he's, a, he's a very nice guy. I was talking with his father last week. Um, people should, should come out in droves and watch him because um, he, is, he is quite special.
1: And and Dave, he is the he is the reason we had Nick Cario's on this radio station because we were interviewing him. I think he was in Saudi Arabia, and he said, I, there's someone oh, yeah. here, that, there's someone that wants to talk to you." And then Nick Cario's distinctly in his voice said, "Where are the Scoonies? There's no Scoonies. <laughs> H- how do I get my Scoonies? So we're big Cam Nori fans here, mate. And we're big David Mustard fans. Appreciate your time.
9: All right, thanks, Willie. You have a good week.
1: Yeah, I will. David Mustard knows a hell of a lot about tennis. He's been there, lived it. Gee, that's insightful around what these young Kiwis have to do. How about a court being built somewhere in Spark Arena and being able to use it in case of rain? I have no idea if there is this sort of technology available, but would be cheaper than a roof, perhaps, says Richard. double eight double three. I guess, Richard, the biggest issue with that would be then you would have to book out Spark, Sport, ah, Spark Arena for the week. And you might not need it. And that would be costly. Also, I don't know how pragmatic that would be. But I have wondered previously, could they play tennis in there? And of course they could. They play basketball in there. It's a great venue for those sorts of core atmosphere sports. It's not a bad text. Double eight, double three. Keep coming through on the 10 Post text machine. We're going to quickly review where we're at with our teamless Tuesday after this. And then after four, we're going to talk some NFL with Ben Graham. He played in the league. Yeah, this is a massive Tuesday.
0: Oh, a Whoa. stomach shot right there. That may have been a wind knocker right there. <laughs> oh, right, oh,
1: right there, left to the fizznace. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, what do you reckon? Where could Snoop Dogg be? Could he be bowling some loopy Lees in our teamless Tuesday? Which is, if you're just tuning in, people you want to hear do a race call. Cool. Fast bowler, Billington James, says Darren. Would love to hear Jeremy Clarkson, he'd be good, says Anthony. The game could be played on a dry and dusty pick in Timbuktu, which I recently found out is a real place. Correct, Craig. Is it in Africa? I think it might be. I have to fact check myself on that one. Coming up to four o'clock. After four o'clock, we are going to talk some NFL. Ben Graham, don't go anywhere. four o'clock how about chopper or bruce willis might be a long or beeped out call says craig batman and his batman voice says anthony that's our teamless tuesday we are coming up with a cricket 11 of people you want to hear do a race call right now georgia is eating tcu alive 45 7 in the championship game and we're about to do our Mackers feature interview
3: this is the Run Home feature interview, thanks to Mick Delivery. Ba da ba ba
1: Staying in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourite delivered with Mick Delivery, and uh, I've got a lot to ask this man because. One thing I love is NFL at this time of year. The season heats up into the best fashion. And another one of my loves is AFL. And Ben Graham did both. Played over about 200 games in the AFL. uh, Had a long and storied career. Then went over and plied his hands as a punter. Kicker. Punter. In the NFL. Uh, Played for a number of teams including the Cardinals and the Lions. And uh, had a very, 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 very good career across a couple of codes. Pretty surreal when you look back knowing that this man came from Australia and achieved what he did. The oldest rookie, I believe, at the time to play in the National Football League. Pretty amazing stuff. And he's been good enough to join us on SENZ over here with his cousins in New Zealand. It's Ben Graham. It's so cool to welcome you into the show. Ben, afternoon, mate. Good afternoon, Louis. Thanks
6: for having me on, mate. I've enjoyed informing the New Zealand listeners around where the NFL is up to. And I tell you what, it's been a sensational season. Week 18's wrapped up and now we've got a massive playoffs to look forward to kicking off on Sunday.
1: We've got a, about 100 storylines to get through as well, Ben, so I'll, uh, I'll rattle them off and, and we'll just get straight into it. But I did notice that we've managed to get you during the national championship game, the national title game, while Georgia is absolutely decimating TCU. So are you more into the NFL side of it rather than the college side of it? You don't get too far into the, the college game?
6: No, well, it's it's all NFL for me. I didn't know much about college football before I moved over there, but when I did and obviously, most of the players in the NFL come from a college team, and oh, it's massive! It is—it's like a—it's an amateur sport, but they pack out their stadiums, seventy, eighty thousand. Some college stadiums host one hundred and twenty thousand people. It's huge over there, and there's so many Aussies and New Zealanders flying their trade in college. Um, with a dream to play NFL, but the fact that they're over there getting a college degree and experiencing living and playing for a college for that three or four years is just phenomenal. But Georgia, they won the national championship last year. They, I think they got a bit lucky with TCU. I think they are a, a young team that weren't expected to to go this far in the college football Anyway, they had a losing season last year. They've come from nowhere. Max Duggan, their quarterback, has done a great job. But Georgia are absolutely smashing them. So they'll go back-to-back, back and Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, will be a dual national champion. So it's a it's a good story for those that follow college football and Georgia in particular.
1: Yeah, they'll be loving it, mate. 45-7 at the moment, and there's still five minutes to go in the third quarter, so it could get really messy. Hey, Ben, this weekend... It might get messy for a couple of teams that have kind of backdoored their way into the playoffs. Uh, It's such a good weekend. You get so many different results. And I don't know whether it's a weekend where we might see an upset. I like to think that maybe it won't be. And, And the San Francisco's, the Bills, might just be able to go about their business, the Bengals, and progress without too many hiccups. Do you think we are prone to see a a wild, wild card weekend or will things go ahead as we
3: might expect?
6: Well, I think traditionally this is the best weekend on the NFL calendar because there are six playoff games. So two years ago, they extended the playoffs to seven teams in each conference and only the the number one seed get the bye in each conference where before that it was the number one and two seed but only six from each conference. But this, the way it's played out, before the before week eighteen, there were nineteen NFL teams that still could make the playoffs. That's the third most in NFL history. So that just goes to show that even the short shortish season, that every single game is meaningful. And the seventh seed of both the AFC and the NFC, they it came right down to the wire. So in the AFC, the Dolphins they beat the Jets but they had to rely on the Patriots losing and the Steelers losing. So the Dolphins have been a fascinating story. They've won three, lost three, won five, lost five, and they snuck in the seventh seed. they travelled to Buffalo to take on the number two seed, the Buffalo Bills, who were the Super Bowl favourites before the season started. I think there won't be an upset on that one, though. I think the Bills are firing on offence and on defence. The Bengals take on the Ravens, who just played in Week 18. AFC North rivals. The Ravens have been a bit up and down. They're down to their third-string quarterback. Lamar Jackson's been out injured. But Joe Burrow, Joe Nixon, Jamar Chase on that Bengals offense, they're going to be really hard to stop. So I don't think there'll be an upset there. I think the upset in the AFC, they will come from the Jaguars' chargers game. The Chargers are charging. Despite their injury concerns, they have had a fantastic second half of the season. And the Jaguars, they only clinched the AFC South by beating the Titans in Week 18. So that's the one in the AFC I'm looking forward to. I think the Los Angeles Chargers can upset the Jaguars. But what it will leave, the Chiefs get the bye and the AFC will go through Kansas City. But I think, Louie, that the Super Bowl champion will come from one of these three teams, the Chiefs, the Bills or the Bengals. So I don't see those three teams getting upset throughout the playoffs. On the NFC side, it was a fascinating end to the season because the Green Bay Packers had come from absolutely nowhere. They had won their last four games. All they had to do was beat the Detroit Lions at home, and they make the playoffs, which was unexpected mid-season when they were three and six. But they lost. The Lions got the, the, the win there, and the Seattle Seahawks, they had their own win against
7: the LA Rams,
6: to clinch that seven spot. But they do face a tough ask going to San Francisco to stick on the 49ers. The 49ers are the most informed team in the competition. They've won 10 games in a row. Unbelievable story. Christian McCaffrey come across from the Carolina Panthers mid-season. He's been unbelievable for them. So I think the 49ers win that game. I think the Vikings have been a little bit underrated. Um, some people will say they're overrated because of... Their 13-4 and four record, they've won 11 one-score games this year.
9: They host the Giants,
6: who rested all their starters in the loss against the Eagles last week. I think the Vikings win that one. But the big one is the Bucks and Cowboys. So Tom Brady and the Buccaneers snuck in to win the NFC South, and the Dallas Cowboys finished fifth, so they've travelled to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. But again, when it comes to playoffs, Louie, anything
1: can happen. I find it interesting. I mean, I love it. I love that you've come out and you've declared the AFC, and I think that's great. But does that mean that we can't get, which would be one of the best stories, Brock Purdy, 10-0 and and a Super Bowl champion? You're saying that it can't happen. Well, anything can happen,
6: Louie, but this Brock Purdy story is unbelievable. He was drafted with blast last in the NFL draft uh, uh, earlier this year. He came onto the 49ers roster essentially as a practice squad player. Trey Lance, who they drafted early two years ago, was the starter. He got hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo was touted as changing teams on a big contract but decided to stay as the backup, which was a good move, I think, for both parties. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, but now he gets hurt. So, Brock Purdy stepped into this San Francisco 49ers team. that were going okay. They were 4-4 four and four at the bye. But since then, they've won 10 straight. They are firing on all cylinders. Their defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL, led by Nick Bosa, who's had 18 and a half sacks. And their offense, when you have players like Christian McCaffrey and Bebo Samuel and George Kittle, We've even got an Aussie punter we're following for the 49ers, Mitch Wisniewski. So they're a good all-round football team, and they're not a football team that relies wholly and solely on their quarterback, like we see with Tom Brady and Buccaneers, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and Justin Herbert and the Chargers. So they are a true all-round complete football team. And I'm not going to say they can't win the Super Bowl. I think that they'll must the Super Bowl. But, you know, you can't underestimate what the Eagles have done this year. The Philadelphia Eagles were 13-1 and one before Jalen Hurts missed a couple of games. They ended the season on 14-3. and three. They get the first week by for everyone to get healthy again. So they're going to be hard to stop because they've got an amazing running game. The defense is pretty good too. A.J. Brown was a great acquisition from the Tennessee Titans. So whichever way you look at it, Louis, it's it just must watch the six. Playoff games this weekend are must-watch, and with only fourteen teams left, there'll be eight left after this weekend. And when the whips are cracking, these great teams with these great superstar players are coming to the fore.
1: It's brilliant. There's so many. It's so you don't know where to look at this stage, and that's why this weekend is the best. Ben, hey, before I let you go, because uh, you always hear David King talk about this in the AFL. It's another sport that health. A clean bill of health, you almost can't win the competition without it. And it's true across many sports, but I reckon an AFL and NFL is the other one where it really is exemplified. Did you have any stories from your career where a season was made or broken by an injury at the right or wrong time?
6: Well, yeah, personally, um, I playing for Geelong, we were 9-2. and two, And in time on in the last quarter, I desiccated my elbow. And we lost the last nine games of the season and missed out on the playoffs. So I've, I've been a player in that situation. But in the NFL, it's quite different in that like the AFL, you are made up of a team with players of all similar skills but different sizes and ability. But essentially all players, except for the six-foot-nine Ruckman, can play any position. With the NFL, it's so position-specific. So they've only got one punter on the roster, one kicker on the roster. And the way it works is, you know, this is what I count myself lucky. I was lucky enough to have one of those 32 jobs in the world. But there are hundreds and hundreds of other kickers and punters out there that are willing, awaiting their turn for an injury or poor form for a team to sign them at any point in time. So... When you have only three quarterbacks on the roster and three running backs and six wide receivers, if you have an injury to a wide receiver that's like a Cooper Cup or a Devonte Adams or a tight end like Travis Kelsey, it can really hurt your chances. But it it is part of the game. We saw it with Damar Hamlin on Monday Night Football with the Buffalo Bills. It's a it's a it's a tough game. It's a combative sport. But these teams that are able to find a way through their injuries, find a way to ensure that their backups are ready to play when their number's called, that's going to play a huge role now that we're in the playoffs. And we've already seen it with Jalen Hurst of the Philadelphia Eagles. They were 13-1 and one with him. They lost two games without him. He comes back in and they win. So his MVP tip has gone to another level because of the importance that he has to the team. Because if he wasn't there, I think the Eagles would struggle. But injuries are a part of the game, unfortunately, all sports, as we know.
1: Beautifully put Ben, that's awesome stuff mate and you're so right, I love the example with Jalen Hurts to end it off mate, I'll let you crack on uh, and get back if you want to go and watch Georgia give TCU even more of a hiding it's 52-7 now mate so it's an absolute bloodbath over there you've done fantastic work all throughout the year Ben and uh, we look forward to hearing your analysis as the playoffs heat up and I'm sure we'll hear you across ECNZ before the end of the season mate, appreciate your time Thanks Louis, thanks
6: for having me on
1: There you go, Ben Graham Insightful. Played across the AFL for about 200-odd games. Uh, More games in the NFL. (laughs) One of 32 jobs in the world. And he was good at it as well for a number of teams over a number of years. This playoff picture is fascinating. It is fascinating. Joe. Louis. Your 49ers.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Can't win. No, 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 no. Like, he, for some reason, he needs to come the AFC because, no, logically it makes sense. Those three teams in the AFC, the Bills, the Bengals, yeah, and strong, the Chiefs. it's the stronger. Are way better, a way, way, way better. I mean, I don't think it's ever been this lopsided towards AFC. There was a period for, for a time when the NFC was so much stronger. For sure. Um, but at least the AFC had... Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning, you know. The NFC don't have those great quarterbacks anymore, except Aaron Rodgers, but obviously he's struggling at the end of the playoffs and he's not even in there this year. So
1: mm, You're kind of waiting for the, that next gen to come through in the NFC. And could it be Brock Purdy? Could it be the undefeated Brock Purdy, last pick in the draft? He would be 10-0 and on a Super Bowl champion if he can lead the, the 49ers too, which would be quite an incredible stat Won a Super Bowl, hadn't lost a game.
2: Mm, it's fate. I actually think it's going to happen. Like, <laughs> fate. <laughs> no, He's yeah. back with the fate thing.
1: He's back with the fate thing. It's fate, Lou. No such thing, Joe. 19 minutes past 4 o'clock. That was our Macca's feature interview. The Macca's menu... You can get Mick delivery straight to your door. Uh, Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to talk to Tom Bruce. We're going to go back to some cricket, captain of the Stags. They've got a big game tomorrow against the Canterbury uh, Wizards, Kings... <laughs> Back down there in Christchurch. So we'll, we'll find out how Tom Bruce is going to get on after five o'clock. Andrew Gaze. Ben Graham, one hour. Andrew Gaze, another hour. Australian legends, big punchy show today. The Breakers play tonight. So we'll talk to Gazey about just that. Uh, how the Breakers are going, how this NBL season is panning out. It's very congested. Legends galore. 8833 0800 150 811. Who are you picking? Who are you tipping to be in the Super Bowl? Give me an AFC and an NFC champion on double eight double three, the temper post text machine, or the Makita phone line is there as well. Oh hundred-150-8-11. It's 20 minutes past four. You've got a real type of thing. SENZ, Eubanks beating Humbert in the first set, and a tight one. The 2nd d E176, the second on a tiebreak is four each. Humbert holding serve here. Very tight matches today at the ASB Classic, which is, well, the rain has come. So, at least they can feel better about that. Gee, it's tragic weather up in Auckland, isn't it? It is terrible. The other game that was going on has been decided quentin hallis of france 6-3 6-4 over alex molcan so that is done and dusted later on we have got jerry Le- Leheka versus vs tiago monterio uh, sebastian byers vs ben shelton Wame Muna versus Laszlo Deer. Man, I absolutely love some of these names. Some of these tennis names are the best names in sport. Uh, that's what we've got coming up today. And then tomorrow we see Cam Norrie. We will see David Goffin. We'll see Caspar Rude. So we get to see some Diego Schwartzman. We get to see some of the big guns of the ASB Classic. Very excited for that. Georgia, it's not even worth... Uh, there's no point updating you on what's going on the Georgia TCU game. Georgia's it eviscerated them. And Otago vaults. well, they are 111 for 1, chasing 393. That was set by the Wellington Firebirds. Uh, so they need 282 off 34 overs at 8.29 and over some task that has been set but they've made a decent fist of it so far hamish rutherford he's 61 of 48 and dean foxcroft who is having a serious year with the bat is six off 15 so look they can dean can he can go he can motor when he needs to so we'll see how that plays out Nick Cummins, the honey badger, for number six, an all-rounder that does everything. Jacob, could we have a pretty quick little update of where we sit with our teamless Tuesday, mate? Uh, We're putting together a team of, a cricket 11 of people you want to hear do a race commentary. What do we have so far, top to bottom?
5: So far, Peter Griffin coming in at number one, opening with David Attenborough. Mike Tyson at three, the powerful slog has got him uh, in in our side, and the iconic voice. Morgan Freeman at four, Samuel Jackson at five, and I've, I've pencilled in Nick Cummings uh, um, at six, uh, the Honey Badger. Um, what do you what do you think about that, Louie?
1: Look, because we're going to see him at the Blacklash. Yeah, I think it's natural. Yeah, and he would be funny. Yeah, he And would, he'd eh? make a good fist of
5: it. Yeah, too right. Uh, Ian Smith at number seven, the captain and the wicketkeeper. We've got Snoop Dogg at 8 for uh, for his loopy leggies. I
1: just worry he's batting too high. I just don't know whether you we think can think number I, 11. Do you reckon Snoop he have focus with the under the lid like, I think
5: actually more that now that you bring that up, I think he is a number 11, isn't he?
1: I think he's a a, a leg spinning number 11.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Monty Panesar or like a spinning <laughs> yeah. terrible batsman. Yeah. Um O'Keefe at 9, Michael Holding at 10. So we need some so heat. We need a number 11.
4: We
1: need some well, we need. We're gonna put Snoop. at 11. Oh, sorry. Yeah. We need it. We need somebody that can bowl some pace that can hold a bat as well. Mm. Do you think that person is?
4: Hello, my friend Kia ora, Come on in. It's our time, Kia ora, to love us. It's our time, special time of day.
1: Susie Cato, mother of the nation.
5: <laughs> now meeting Susie. Um... I mean, she does have a bit of. I feel like she would. She would definitely give it a big in and uh, th- bowl a few bounces if she could. <laughs> I can see that.
1: I don't know.
4: Enough is enough. I have had it with these mistakes <laughs> on this mother. <laughs> Everybody, strap in.
1: Oh, he is going to be so good in the middle order. There's nothing more, like, just digging in. Samuel L. Jackson just digging in for the hard graft. And imagine him calling a a horse race. These mother horses in this mother race jumping out of the mother barriers and these mother jockeys got me trapped three wide. No mother cover.
5: The trackside allow swearing. Would they allow it for Samuel Samuel L, do you reckon?
1: I would hope so.
5: Yeah, I think so too.
1: I would hope so. That's where we're at at the moment, double eight, double three, if you've got any late nominations. Essentially, we're left with, I feel pretty good about this, we need a number eight. We need someone that can bowl. We need someone that we can bowl and just hold a bat a little bit. I'm feeling very good about Smithy. Keeping, captain, At seven. Twenty-nine away from five. Tom boost before the end of the hour. But here are some sports headlines and news with Johnny Mac.
4: Just to get me started I you up, but
1: you there And I was broken yeah, we are 26 minutes away from 5 o'clock Tom Bruce coming up in just a wee bit We're going to talk to him about the domestic cricket scene Right now on that specific scene The Wellington Firecro- uh, Firebirds have got a massive wicket That of Hamish Rutherford big wicket big wicket he is gonski just as he was starting to make waves into this huge chase the vaults trying to chase 393 you'd be wondering you'd be wondering how you're gonna get you just say break it down into small parts we'll make it work but man it would be tough it would be tough trying to get yourself psychologically fired up to get out there and make that work. So that's where we're at as far as the live sport goes. Hey, some other stuff that's gone on. Ryan Fox has had his... Invitation officially given to him to play at Augusta and the Masters. Uh, Foxy's world ranking obviously skyrocketed last year to places that we haven't really seen Kiwi golfers get in a wee while. Danny Lee's been obviously out there, in the men's side that is. Obviously Danny Lee's been doing a good job on the PGA Tour for a long time, but Ryan Fox's golf has hit new heights and he has got his letter asking to come and play at Augusta in the, uh, in the Masters. What's that in May? Pretty cool. Pretty special stuff. It might even be April. Uh, so good on you, Foxy. That is awesome. Uh, Emma Raducanu. She's still not necessarily in or out for the Australian Open after she slipped and or hurt her ankle on the ASB tennis courts indoor. I noticed there's been no injuries today, which is good news. And how's this? As I said, John Isner... Oh, John Isner was done with the tournament. He's on, and I don't necessarily love watching John Isner play tennis. He served his 14,000th ace today. His 14,000th ace as he left. And that's what we need to know about John Isner. Incredible career, 14,000 aces. Pretty hard to watch from time to time. Anyway, I think we might have found our number eight in our team list Tuesday.
0: Oh, we're going to do a cheesy souffle, a double souffle if you like today. It's a French dish. We're going to be doing a few jus and also some chicken towards the end. Um, let's waste no more time. We're going to do this as quick as we can. See you at the end. First thing we're going to do though get the blender going. So get some milk in there. Probably
9: use your standard
1: Leahart, brilliant, uh, brilliant. Uh, obviously, long-time member of the ACC, Jacob. So has been. He's got. He's got a lot of cricketing now. So he is adept with bull and bat. And Richard was actually the one that said it. He has experience with snail racing. So you dare say that Lee Hart will be able to call a horse race.
5: Yeah, you'd think so. And I, I don't know if I don't know if contractually, but he might be a free agent at the moment. So I mean, trackside.
1: <laughs> trackside you want the next George Simon or Tony Lee or Maddie Cross maybe Lee Hart's the answer I reckon put him in and I reckon our teamless Tuesday is looking pretty bloody good at 22 minutes away from 5 o'clock any late submissions to double eight double three, more than welcome Tom Bruce domestic cricket he is captain of the Stags they're taking on Canterbury shortly In the Ford Trophy. A little break from T20 this week. And we are back to the Ford Trophy. So we can catch up with Tom Bruce and find out how his CD side have been going. It is a top of the table clash in the Ford Trophy. They've won four from their six Ford Trophy games this season. Uh, Three bonus point victories. And they lead Canterbury by two points. So this is a massive game tomorrow in the Ford Trophy. And we'll find out how Tom Bruce is preparing himself for it. Circle back to some of that hysterical and mad laughter to relieve the drive-time traffic. Kirst, and Kim have all the gags four till seven on the run home. SENZ, we're Kiwi for sport. SENZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Call any time 0800 150
5: 811.
1: Staying in to watch the sport? Let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Delivery.
3: Hold on to your seats. It's the run home with Kirsten Beave.
1: Kirsten Beave will be coming back into work in the coming weeks, Louis in the meantime, and let's talk some cricket. Fitting, because right now Georgia are running up a cricket score on TCU in the National Championship game in college football. I don't even know how they both ended up in this game. If one team scored 60 points and the other team scored 5, 7, sorry, 65-7. I better get that right. Anyway, we're talking cricket. Actual cricket. And Tom Bruce, is the skipper of... Uh, CD, on the Stags, and he's on the line with us ahead of a big game tomorrow afternoon. Tom, how's it going, man?
10: Hello, Louis. Yeah, going all good here, mate. It's nice and sunny down in Christchurch, so can't complain.
1: Ah, I was going to ask you about that because I just checked the forecast, as I seem to have done every 10 minutes this summer, to see what you were going to get tomorrow, and it's looking a little bit sketchy. You, how are you feeling? What's the gut telling you?
10: Yeah, I think we're we're better off down here at the moment than we are up, up north, so... Um, yeah, we're, we're fingers crossed we will get a full game in tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's certainly been um, been one where the weather's played played havoc on us uh, throughout the summer.
1: Has it been hard to find rhythm? I mean, you've you've got to navigate, and it's been like this for a few seasons with the three codes kind of intertwining. Uh, sorry, three different formats intertwining. But as far as the weather, trying to find rhythm, has is it is it been niggly?
7: Um,
10: yeah, I think for, for you few guys that are obviously come in and out of, of the different formats, um, you yeah, it can be a bit, bit of a frustrating time, but. Um, oh, the guys have a lot of access to, to indoor facilities these days, so um, they can get a lot of training in. And um, Yeah, like I say, um, probably, probably this season we've been fortunate we've, we've been all right with the weather, other than our last game, but I know a lot of the other teams have been affected quite a bit.
1: Well, you're probably also not necessarily jealous of the vaults right now. I don't know if you've seen this. They're trying to chase 393 against the Firebirds. Yeah, we, we, we did
10: uh, check in on them and uh, see that, yeah. Uh, Wellington have put up a, a mammoth score down there at uh, Uni Oval. It's always a good batting wicket. Um, <laughs> I haven't actually seen uh, how Otago were going, so... Um... But, yeah, anytime you're chasing 390 in a 50-over game, you're (laughs) going to be struggling.
1: Yeah, hard-pressed. Hamish Rutherford did his best. I think he's gone for about 50-odd. Foxcroft's 25 or 28. So they're 137 for two at the moment. Uh, You're in Hagley. Obviously, the the wicket can be delicious for seamers, especially if there is a little bit of moisture around. They've been going pretty good in the Ford Trophy as well. Uh, Where are you guys at, though? Where's your squad at? Because I know through the white ball season, the games you have played it's clicking it's a pretty well balanced side
10: yeah yeah look we've um we've managed a pretty good season so far so we're we're currently top of the table in the one days and um uh sort of the first equal in the t20s so which we've just come off the back of so yeah like you said the guys are clicking at the right time with with the t20s um, we've still got a, a fair bit to go with some improvements in our game but um it's nice when you can just sort of switch from 2020 to the mode and um, you know, guys have to adapt pretty quickly to it. Um, as you can tell, Wellington are probably still in two twenty 20 mode and, and have run up a big score there. And um, I think the game against Canterbury um, tomorrow is, is a top-of-the-table clash, and, and I expect no different here. I think there'll be plenty of runs on board. At the wicket the look, looks a good one. Um, so, yeah, ho- hopefully uh, a decent game of, of cricket tomorrow for us.
1: I'm sure you wouldn't mind a score yourself. Um, how have you found captaining the side with team of people coming in and out you've obviously had a couple of the black caps head away you've had some young guys been able to bed some young guys that have really performed for you this year as a skipper with different personnel how, how have you found the chemistry of the team
10: yeah it's been really nice I think it's it's nice when you've got um you know a lot of depth within your squad um and within your region so um yeah we've, we've played a number of guys this year already in, in the one day as in t20 format so um, but we want guys going up to the black caps. Obviously, Dagi Bracewell's just gone, um, just gone over to, to Pakistan and, and India, and uh, you know we've got guys coming and going in the test squad as well. So um, it's enjoyable and it's, it's good when guys are performing for the Stags and then getting recognised for, for New Zealand, and, and then we can bring in these youngsters and um, you know give other guys an opportunity to, to press their case for the Stags. So yeah, I couldn't tell you how many players we've used, but it feels like a fair fair few. And, and, um, you know, all we can do is, is make a, a, a seamless transition from, from guys that have been playing sort of club cricket and, and Hawk Cup cricket to, to then jumping into the Stags environment.
4: Yeah, well,
1: whatever it is, it's, it is working at the moment. So, you're right, Doug's gone up. Uh, do you think that means that there's a good chance we will see Will Clark? He's been in, he's had a go, and he, he performed quite well from memory. I think he put up a pretty handy score.
10: Yeah, I think on debut um, against Wellington Middle Christmas, he was sort of 30 not out at the end there. Um, you know, going better than a run of ball, so um, yeah, it's gonna be a great opportunity for for him. Um, you know, to, to obviously cement himself in that middle order with with Doug gone for a while now. So, um, like I said, it's exciting when guys go up um, and are recognised for for the hard work they're for the results that we're putting in. So, um, then it's just exciting for the young guys that come through, and you know, they bring a lot of energy and a lot of fizz. And um, you know, it's exciting watching young guys um, sort of go go about their business against some of the best. Uh, and, well, some of the best um, domestic players going around.
1: What about yourself, Tom? How are you going? I know you'd strung together a couple of uh, scores late last year. Where are you at and what are you working on?
10: Yeah, look, um, it was a nice season last year um, for myself and then um, started off the Red Bull format pretty well this season, Um, sort of being a little bit inconsistent with the the white ball performances of late, so just throughout the one day as in T20, sort of get a score and then then fail again, so... um, Oh, I guess it's, it's one of those things, you're just trying to be as consi- consistent as possible and score as many runs as possible and just win games for the Stags, really. So, yeah, I probably need to do that on a more consistent basis in this white ball format and um, definitely something I'm I'm striving to do. So, um, yeah, it's always nice when, when you're a skipper and, and you're leading from the front. So, um, yeah, anytime you can you can put your, put your team in, in a match-winning position or, or win games for your side, that's all you're trying to achieve.
4: Yeah, you
1: we know, were just talking about higher honours before. Like no doubt, you'll be hungry to, to wear the fern again. It, like at, at the moment, the the black caps. There is probably a little semi transition period going on. Uh, you've been you've been around a wee while now, Tom. A bit longer in the tooth. Do you still have that hunger to punch your way back in and and put your hand up?
10: Yeah, certainly. It's um, you know I think most of the guys playing playing domestically are, are striving to get to you know to that New Zealand and international level. So. Um yeah, certainly, like you said, I've had a, a taste of it in the 220s. But, um, you know, I'd certainly love to get back there. But um, I look around the country. I think there's there's a lot of depth within the country and, and certainly within the batting ranks. So, um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of quality bidders going around at the moment. So it's sort of, um, if you're not putting up, you know, good performances at the domestic level, you know, you're struggling to, to get your name, um, you know, in the conversation. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's... it's um, Certainly, certainly hunger's still there um, there's no shortage of that but um, yeah it's sort of still just biding your time and um, trying to do as best you can to, to then hopefully get that shot one day again
1: beautiful stuff mate All Right, we'll let you crack on hopefully that weather does hang out for you it would be uh, awesome to see a top of the table clash in the Ford Trophy it is so far it can be a little bit forgotten sometimes the Ford Trophy but it's a brilliant competition uh, obviously it beds in so many of our international players so enjoy it hopefully the weather holds off and uh, good, to catch, good to catch up Tom
10: There
1: you go, Tom Bruce, champion bloke Been around for a wee while, always very good with his time And something's working well with the Stags They are In good rhythm across Both the the Super Smash And the Ford Trophy And playing some serious cricket Tom Bruce leading from the front as well He'll want a big score tomorrow 65-7 in the Georgia DCU National Championship game What a shambles that is. Anyway, that doesn't matter because the domestic cricket scene is not a shambles. We do have a good amount of depth. We've done a great job growing that over the last few while. But right now, depth isn't going to save the Targo Volts chasing 393 to win against the Firebirds. They are 143 from three. Dean Foxcroft, 27 from 30, probably needs to put on his Superman cape and make something happen. ASAP, if they want to save this game. We are eight minutes away from five o'clock. We'll be back to wrap up the hour. Uh, good text from Jimmy here. Ha <laughs> We'll get to that just after this.
7: Feel right at home at Briscoe's. Names known for quality, names known for ironclad guarantees, names known for distinctive design. From our place to your place, where small change makes a big difference. Are we on
1: air? Is that real? Wait, was that on me? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Are we uh, on here right now?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, hey, uh, Z, three minutes away from five o'clock. <laughs> Jimmy says, "I'd love to hear the Briscoes' lady call a race. Try squeeze her in, maybe boss lady manager." <laughs> oh, how would she call a race? And we've got, and and here comes Dynastic on sale for. $360,000 via Tiaka running past Impenderbell she'd be good with the odds t- t- and Tony $14. Pike, $14 <laughs> Tony Pike picked Impenderbell up for $65,000 at Karaka, 2022 as they approach the 200 metres she'd go pretty good don't mind it I don't mind it do you know the one we haven't had yet that we haven't we haven't we haven't been able to figure out where what we're going to do with this guy no. Sorry. I thought that was Darth Vader. I clicked the wrong button. Do we have Darth Vader? Maybe i d I'll be back. No, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sorry. <laughs> 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 it's not Darth Vader, mate. Sorry, Joe. Uh three under the bus there. I thought we ought to have had a dark bread. Darth Vader. We Oh yes, we we do, do
9: we? The rebels that are led to our prisons. Admiral Ozl came out of light speed too close to the system.
10: He, he felt surprised, was wiser he is as clumsy as he is stupid.
1: Yeah, it would be quite a negative race call, I feel. Actually, it wouldn't have a lot of energy. Uh, we've pretty much got it nailed down. I just don't know what we're going to do with the Briscoes lady. Could the Briscoes lady umpire? I don't know. I feel like she needs a role. I feel like she needs a role. Like It'll be unfair to cut her out. We'll see what we can do about that. Hey, after five, we need to get it together because we have got one of the icons of Australian sport coming on the show. Actually, without a word of a lie. Ah uh, Georgia, by the way, has been crowned national champions, just in case you were hanging in there for the result of that game. 65 7. Look, the quarterback can't even cry because it was that easy. You're not even allowed to smoke cigars, pal. You just have to just walk around. Don't celebrate. 65 7 isn't a title game, is it? Feel a bit ranty on that one. Anyway, Andrew Gaze is up after 5 o'clock. Talk so we'll all things basketball, NBL, because the break has played tonight. Over in Perth against Hutchies Wildcats. Let's get them. Three minutes past five o'clock. Hey, how about this? If you want to eat some food, delivery is the best option. What's the show been today, Joe? It's been a... It's been exhausting. No, fun. So, <laughs> what sort of Big Mac is it been? Oh, it's been a grand Big Mac. The show has been a grand Big Mac and it's about to get grander as we wait for Andrew Gaze. Oh, sorry. The is menu with McDelivery, and we're going to have Andrew Gaze on the show just in a second, and then we're going to do a quiz later on called Drive to Survive, and we're going to go and order Grand Big Macs, and we're all going to have a delicious amount of fun. That's what we've got coming up at four minutes past five o'clock. Andrew Gaze, moments away. One of the icons of new Australian sport, a Melbourne tiger, and... If anything, I'm just disappointed. I'm not wearing my Melbourne Tigers singlet here for this interview coming up. Uh, we're going to talk NBA. We're going to talk Breakers again later in the hour. We will probably try squeezing some more racing and we are going to talk all things basketball. The ASB Classic rolls on right now. We have got <sighs> Play Out of the Rain. Underneath the roof of Montiero and Lee Heka. uh their game has got underway, so we'll keep you updated with that throughout the afternoon. We're only here for one more hour. And then we'll be handballing it across to, I think, Wattos and after six. Pretty sure. Pack and save guy could be the other umpire. Oh. Jeremy Corbett? Nah, poor ego. Poor <laughs> ego. <laughs> Oh, that sucks. Who does that suck more for? Probably Paul Ego, that he got confused yeah, as Jeremy definitely. Corbett. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Sorry, Paul Ego. <laughs> That is brutal. Yeah, Paul Ego and uh, Briscoe's lady at either end, umpiring. Six minutes past five o'clock. Uh, that is our Teamless Tuesday. A cricket 11, and we'll let you know exactly who it is. A cricket 11 of people you want to hear call a race i reckon this man coming up would do a hell of a job calling a race as well he can do it all uh host of the run home across the ditch in victoria on eleven sixteen 16 scn fantastic broadcast fantastic broadcaster incredible basketball player genuine icon of australian sport it's andrew gaze and we're very lucky he's taken time out of his summer to stop by and talk some breakers and nbl basketball with us g'day gaze how
8: are you Good afternoon, Lily. It's uh, great to chat.
1: Pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. And I've got you right in the pits of the MBL season, where we are yep. hot on the heels of the Breakers, and they are hot in the middle of a very long road trip. And they've taken yeah. some games around New Zealand. They're trying to get to the fans, but now they've, they've gone Adelaide. They're off to Perth. What's your read? What's your vibe on our Breakers at the moment,
8: Andrew? Uh, absolutely love them. I think that they've um, really done a great job this season. They've picked up some fantastic players. Love what Derek Pardon is doing in in the middle. I think that Barry Brown Jr. is uh, an offensive spark which we haven't seen for quite some time. And Jarrell Brantley is a uh, a star, very consistent player, due to a good clip. So with their imports, they're doing fantastic, and the natural improvement of guys like. Will McDowell-White and, uh, and, of course, the veterans in uh, Tommy Abercrombie, they've put together a team that's not only doing extraordinarily well, I think are a legitimate chance to win the whole box and die. So it's, a, it's an exciting time to be a Breakers fan and um, got some heavy lifting to do, got a bit of catch-up to play because they missed those games because of COVID. But um, I, I think they've positioned themselves really nicely on the back of some Unbelievable uh, defence that this team plays. They are very, very physical, and it's uh, it's been the key to their success.
1: They're extremely well coached, aren't they? Like they are very well coached, and now they get a clean bill of health. They can kind of have a bit more flexibility, and it got a little bit sketchy on a couple of back-to-back losses there. This this win streak they've just been able to put together: Perth, Adelaide, then hopefully Perth again tonight. It's been yep. huge for the momentum of their season.
8: What have you seen out of the the young coach, Mody Moore? Well, Modi's been fantastic. And the good thing about it, he's a first-time coach, but he has been there for the last what three years. so he's he's been able to get a a um do a good apprenticeship. Well, with an international coach coming in, it does take a while to adjust to the culture, the style of play. Um, and and just get acclimatized to uh, Australian NBL basketball, so it uh, it was a, a bit of an advantage that he has that he has on others that come in as a first time coach. But um, like I said uh, in the introduction, the, the the way in which the team is defending and what he's done, he's recruited really well for that purpose. Um, and, and Derek Parton is elite. He's a big guy, but what he can do. The game is so predicated on on-ball screens, and when you put the bigs in on balls, and uh, how they can keep little guys in front, and how they can hard show, and and um, and and be able to stop the penetration is key. And as a big fella, he does it as good as anyone in the competition. And they are really physical. They test the limits of the officials with the way in which they play, uh, but but they do it in a way that uh, that's consistent. They do it from the very first possession. And as such, they're able to impose their will on the game, which has been uh, very helpful to them. And you've got to give their coach, Mori, a lot of credit for that.
1: But having those bigs that can sit out on the perimeter and defend is so crucial. And I don't know if you've seen this graphic and the stat that's going around at the moment, Gazy, around pace. It's been a really yeah, smart, smart bit of work. It's brilliant. And it, it stacks all the leagues up around the world. I can't say I was shocked that I that the NBL was a- ahead of those other leagues. What I was shocked by was how close the pace is related to the NBA. But it does kind of make yep. sense when you think about it and then just listening to what you're talking about around on-ball screens and being able to defend as bigs
8: yeah it is i think we've got the best blend of the european style of play as opposed to the nba and yes our pace of play is, is slightly below the the nba but our game is officiated a little bit differently and i think when you look at the the way that the europeans play it's a, a very methodical yeah. walk it up a lot of times and they get into their half-court sets and you know, I don't mind that. I, I think it would I, I be wrong just to equate pace of play with the aesthetic of the game. I think a lot of people really enjoy the way in which uh, in Europe they, they put together their schemes in order to create scoring opportunities. Uh, whereas here in Australia, we've got that nice blend. And, and in fact, I actually prefer a lot of NBL games than I do uh, NBA games because of that, because you do get also that, that, that the differences between just running up and down and shooting threes and, uh, you know, one or two-pass offense. Uh, I think we've got a, a much better balance than what the, the NBA uh, runs. And it was interesting also yesterday on the back of that pace-of-play graphic uh, that, that uh, Luka Doncic, after his game yesterday, was asked about uh, watching other NBA games. And he actually said, Well, I don't really watch too many NBA games. I watch all the Euro League games. I watch the European <laughs> basketball games. <laughs> so I, I think it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And there's no doubting the NBA, with their athleticism and depth of talent, is still really fun to watch. But when you don't have that depth of talent and you don't have that athleticism that the NBA has, I think you've got to try and. Find other ways to present the game, which, like I said, the NBL does as good as anywhere in the world.
1: This is how good you are, Andrew. I was literally had up on my screen here. Statmuse: <laughs> Slow Dallas Mavericks had the slowest pace by any team in 21-22. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about: Do you think that that's Luca's European influence? And you've just answered the question. I didn't even get to ask the question, mate. Right? That's how good you are. But back on the <laughs> the NBL, it's pretty congested. It is tight, and that's what this is. Kind of January is moving month. We we will see some teams really put themselves in the hunt underneath the Kings and the Breakers. Where are the genuine threats, and who will be looking to rack up a three four game win streak here and put themselves in those title hopes?
8: Yeah, it's it's really tough because you've got. Like between, say, the breakers who played the nineteen games, there's still a couple. There's a couple of teams, Well, there's one team in particular, Phoenix. They've already played twenty-three games. As have Melbourne United. So, it it um there are some anomalies in the the fixturing that does make it a, a little difficult. But no doubt to me that uh, Sydney and New Zealand are the front runners. Uh, but uh, the, the, like you say, in that next group below them, it's really tough between third and eighth. Uh, there's not a whole lot of difference. Now, the, the record would suggest differently because I think uh, Melbourne United are in that position with, uh, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head here, like 11 and 12. Um, uh, whereas, uh, to me, the Cairns-Taipans, when you look at the way in which they play, and when you talk about pace of play, my goodness, they get up and down yeah. and let it fly. They're, they're a fun team to watch. But, but for whatever reason, and I don't want to be disrespectful to for, for Cairns, I'm just not sure that style of play is going to hold up in in playoff basketball. I hope I'm wrong because I love Adam Ford and I love the way they play. But I think that they, um, you know, that it's going to be interesting to see if that style of play will hold up in uh, that intensity of playoff basketball. But then, really, I I, I like the Adelaide thirty sixes, They can get their act together. I think they've got a fantastic team. If Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, if if they didn't have the injury problems. They have just, just had the worst luck with injuries. I think if they've got their full complement of players together, then they should be a, a, a contender. And then I'd also be a little fearful of uh, Melbourne United. They're starting to play some really good basketball. They've won four out of their last five. And um, they, too, have had some injury issues to deal with throughout the course of the season. So it's it's really wide open, and uh, you know, the the, the, the Fourth-place team, I think, has 10 losses, and the seventh-place team has 10 losses as well. So it's it's so, so tight. It's going to be a real dogfight uh, to see who makes the finals. And uh, thank goodness they changed it to a top six with these play-in games because there's going to be some really good teams in that fifth and sixth spot that could potentially go all the way.
1: We're all about the play, and we love the play. And, hey, uh, Gazi, we'll let you crack on with your January. Just one last one from me. I'm curious because I I heard Jeff Van Gundy talking about he thinks the mistake that coaches make the most is their, their their rotations aren't tight enough. They play too many players. And I know it's it yep. is different MBA to MBO and length of season, uh, minutes that sort of thing. Modi Moore has his full complement of players now. In your experience, yep. when you were playing it, and all the analysis you've done since, what is the right rotation and the right amount of players to be playing as the season starts to kind of hit that yeah. crescendo? What's what's
8: the sweet spot? Yeah, I don't think there's any really right or wrong answer. It really depends on your talent that you have at your disposal. I think that it's a lot harder in the way in which the game's played now as opposed to when I was playing because in the NBL back when we played, we played 48-minute games. Mm. But even with those 48-minute games, we were the extreme. We had a, you know, at best, a a seven-and-a-half-man rotation. We were really short on those rotations. Um, uh, but, But that's not always the best formula either. In a... Very general, broader sense here in Australia because of the forty-minute games. I think that to go beyond eight players is starting to make it difficult for your main guys to get the the minutes that that they need. There was a year. Oh, I can't remember the exact year where I average forty-seven minutes a game. <laughs> so I get a, I get a real kick out of listening to these guys. Oh, gee, he's had a long game. He's had to play thirty-three minutes, and I'm like, turn it up. That that's barely getting started. So it's um, but it is a lot different with a, with a really really quick pace of play. Um, and and above and beyond that, with the talent level that's available, coaches have to make really tough decisions. And, and I think in Australia. Because we only have 10 teams, a lot of coaches have got to make decisions to not play players that actually deserve to play and are good enough to play. But to play 10 guys or even sometimes these days coaches are getting 11 guys in meaningful minutes. To me, um, that is very, very difficult.
1: Brilliant. Great answer, mate. You've explained it beautifully. And, uh, Andrew, I have in my possession – I don't know if you've seen a photo of it. Hutchie's got a photo of it somewhere. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a Kmart Melbourne Tigers Andrew Gaze Ah, jersey. beautiful. And uh, before <laughs> – one day, one day, hopefully soon, I'm going to get you to sign yeah. it, mate. I'm going to track you down, and I'm going to get your signature on, if that's all right.
4: No
8: worries. Well, I'm hopefully – I want to come over and visit your beautiful country again sometime, so maybe I can pop in and I'll sign it for you. In person, that would be fantastic. But uh, good on you and good luck to New Zealand. And the break is uh, what a fantastic run they've had. And after all they've been through, they uh, they have a very soft spot in my heart. And hopefully they do really well.
1: You're a legend, Gaze. There you go. Andrew Gaze, he is co-host of The Run Home 11-16 with Andy Ma. They do such a good job over there. That is right there a dead set champion bloke. He is a champion. That is what you describe as a champion bloke. Joe, that is a genuine Australian sporting icon with all the time in the world and just passionate about his sport of basketball.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't find that with NFL players, would you? Nah.
1: Not. Well, Ben Graham, to be fair. Oh, yeah, sure, He's a good guy. Oh. I like him a lot, but big fan. <laughs> Only you could make that somehow turn that heartwarming. Jacob, help me Why out. How
5: on earth do you stitch yourself up like that, Joe? Like the- I-, I know what you're trying to go for, I think
1: i don't know if i
5: do but yeah
1: like this isn't a yeah no Gazy, absolute legend that was cool very very cool and he's got a big soft soft spot for the breakers (sighs) lovely stuff ah the breakers tonight against the perth wildcats against the perth wildcats in perth where man that is a hard place to play The Perth Wildcats fans are so passionate. I know that SEN and the Sports Entertainment Network and what Craig Hutchie has done, uh, investing into different sports teams, uh, his involvement with the Perth Wildcats. I have seen some interactions between the fans and Hutchie on Twitter. He's also always very gracious, but the passion that comes out of that arena over there in Perth, and that team is good. They can play both the Webster brothers now, Ty and Corey. What a fantastic game it bodes to be if you can get yourself, if you can make sure, you, if you can stay up to 11.30 is what I was trying to say. If you can stay up to 11.30 p.m. tonight. I think we're going to do Drive to Survive a little bit after the news. We're going to do Drive to Survive a little bit after the news. So a little bit about 25 to 6 today we will do Drive to Survive. Right now we're going to shoot off. We'll come back after this. The official, official first 11 of people you want to hear commentate a horse race. That's on SENZ, The Run Home. I'm Louis here for another 40 minutes. Don't go anywhere. We've got a massive end to the show.
3: I'm sorry for all the trouble I've caused you, Krusty. But you know, my mom says God never closes a door without opening a window.
1: No offense, kid, but your mom's a dingbat. (laughs) a late nomination there to our teamless Tuesday was that for Bart Simpson or Krusty the Clown do we think I can't tell I think both perfect well they both miss out Jimmy says the 12th man for the 12th man of the team best man to fill the gaps in Jacob in put him in he's in Jimmy brilliant Charlie a little late with this text guys What about the auctioneer from storage was on TV He'd be great as a race caller Charlie he would be but you are a little bit late We've had a little bit of Conjecture as we had Umpires the Briscoes lady And Paul Ego Mark says it should be The Briscoe lady and Andrew Mulligan From Rebel Sport It's not a bad point I don't know what we're going to do with that Jacob
5: Look on. um sorry, <laughs> I stumble over my words there. Traditional um, teamless Tuesday um, teams have like a quite long list of uh, backroom staff. So I reckon we could fill in some umpires. we We've got a manager, maybe assistant coach, coach. so we can always squeeze in a few extras there.
1: Okay, well let's yeah, I think well, we can at least have umpires. I guess we need people to run the water. Yeah, the, Waterboy. So we got the twelfth man as the twelfth man, but we could have a couple of. What about the? Uh, actually, we need the we need the match official.
5: Yes, yeah, good point.
1: Yeah, we need the controlling match official. Uh, so maybe maybe Briscoe's lady Puligo out in the middle and Mull's up top, in the control
5: room. <laughs> yeah, I feel, that suits Mull's, I feel like.
1: Oh, what what does that mean?
5: Oh, I just feel like he'd be good <laughs> on the mic.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, Jacob. Let's do it. From opener to backroom staff and water boys and girls, this is our teamless Tuesday of people you want to hear commentator horse race.
5: It is. And coming at number one, the opening batting uh, batsman's peer, uh, Peter Griffin and David Attenborough. Actually, that's a good point. There
0: other whales here too.
5: Killers. Um, at number three, we've got Mike Tyson. He's got a powerful slog. Did you guys see him? I was fast asleep. They want to take his eighted
6: ass like Omar.
5: What? What, what happened, Omar?
6: Well, don't worry about Omar. He's not with us no more.
5: Number four, Morgan Freeman.
6: Oh. I must
5: admit, I didn't think much <laughs> of Bran Norton. First time I laid eyes on him. Samuel Jackson at number five. <laughs> <laughs>
4: enough is enough. I have had it with these mistakes mother- <laughs> on this mother. <laughs> Everybody strap in.
5: Gritty <laughs> middle order player. <laughs> he's a real thorn in our side. I feel like uh, we've got Nick Cummins at six.
1: Oh, I don't think we have any honey no. badger.
5: No, but he does do a good interview. So uh, he's uh, busier than a. One um, Actually, maybe he'll be our okay. um, our sort of Daryl Mitchell type player, I've just thought off the top of my head. Grafter. Yeah, yeah definitely. Tough. I agree. Uh, Ian Smith at seven. Stockley! The, the Doyen. The Doyen of New Zealand.
1: Stockley! <laughs> I guarantee it. We could ask him to do one. I bet he'd do one for us. He, <laughs> he would do a fantastic race commentary. And he's also made that huge score at Eden Park against India. So he's a legend.
5: Yeah, too right. He's the captain, too, and the keeper. As he should be. Uh, Lee Hart at eight. Oh, Lee Hart. Lee Hart.
0: Uh, we're going to do a cheesy souffle, double souffle if you like today. It's a French dish. We're going to be doing a few jus
2: and also some chicken towards the end. Uh-
5: <laughs> all time, all time. Uh, Kerry O'Keefe, Skull at nine. Uh, what about skulls one with Smithy recently? Yes, I know. Uh, they they've popped up so much on my social media recently. Yeah. Just best skull moments.
1: Big run on TikTok. Yep. What was it? Uh, I told my wife I was going to make spaghetti sp- for dinner? Spaghetti for dinner. Oh no,
5: no, I was gonna I was gonna drive a spaghetti car. Wasn't oh, it? and then and then it goes, um I was gonna drive a spaghetti car. Oh, no, she didn't believe me. In, uh, oh, I've stuffed a- this up a- royally. A- really, a- but like, mauled this. You know, the, the, the punchline's pasta, past pasta. Yeah, the punchline's pasta. Anywho. <laughs> punchline's pasta. Spaghetti bolognese. Number 10, Michael Holding. Brilliant. And uh, number 11, Snoop Dogg. The loopy leggies.
1: Snoop Dogg off his head.
0: Oh, Whoa. a stomach shot right there. That may have been a weird knuckle right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Guys, Joe, you happy? I'm
2: really,
5: I'm really happy well done Jacob it's
1: was, it was a great team
5: Jacob you oh, happy thanks to the listeners yeah I'm happy I'm happy
1: double eight double three are you happy and then our honourable mentions include the Briscoes lady Kevin Hart Susie Cato. she is maybe team just like mum just like yeah she'd be a good manager morale team manager yeah, you're team manager not team mum team manager uh, and plenty of others Thank you for all your correspondence at double eight, double three. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Right. 28 minutes away from six o'clock. Drive to survive for the end of the show as well. You'll be excited for that one.